Hello. Hey, hi, hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. My name is my name is Mildra, your gaming monk for the evening. And it has been several months since we've done this sort of since I've done this sort of thing. But new place, new attitude, new new heads to kick in. Uh, and as always, I am still your gaming monk. But join. But I'm not alone. I have with me the master of the flat pack himself, Flatmaster. Hey guys and girls. And in abeyance, because where the fuck is he? Is was going to be the living stack of comics, Doku, and going to be arriving a little later today because of um, scheduling problems. Is um, Mr. Na is Mr. Nameless One himself? Now. Before we get before we get into the good before we get into the um, the good shit and the shit shit, we have we we have the I have to once once again return my um, weekly tradition of the geek of the week. This time, the geek of the week award goes to Drake McWhorter, who apparently was a former was a former guy who worked with uh, Matt Pat. So. Um, this is your target, folks. Aim well. Who remarked, "Quote: Hey, do you think that comic that's do you think that comics that stars characters other than straight white dudes are fine? Well, that means you're a retarded, triggered SJW libtard snowflake cuck. Show your love with an official comic cuck shirt available at merch.comicdrake.com. So he's <laughs> taking the Maddox route. By the way, just so I can get this out of the way, hooray! Maddox lost. Dick is the winner. Anyway." <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, and when I saw that when I saw that earlier this week, I had to I had to put up the the whole thing of um they they cult members will always straw man, and some people may some people may argue that I'm being a bit harsh by by comparing social justice warriors to a cult, but if the boot fits, thy must wear it. Because they check, they check all the fucking boxes, and I have offered multiple chances to not check all the boxes, and they still check all the fucking boxes. <laughs> That's the reason why we say that the SJWs have drunk the Kool Aid because it's so apt for. for yeah, they are a cult, aren't they? Exhibit yeah. all of the exhibit all of the telltale um, symptoms. Mm-hmm. The cult is always right. You are always wrong, and in this case, um, intentionally trying to discredit critics. But that's not the reason. The reason why this annoyed me was the was the fact that he actually thought he was being funny. Like, I, I know it's I know it's in to make Seinfeld memes, but there is one line from Seinfeld that I keep coming back to with these sort of things, and I've I've used this line in other streams and other shows and the like, but I feel it's appropriate here. And this offends you as a Jewish person? No, it offends me as a comedian. <laughs> is gen is generally my is generally my take on this sort of thing because this isn't a joke. There's no exact there's no exaggeration. This is some this is this is somebody who's pretend who's pretending to um who's basically pulling the whole oh we'll just own it and that'll and that'll make it all the better or we'll straw man it and that'll make it all the better. No, you still look like a fucking clown. 
The only thing that you're missing is soy face. You've got the beard for it. <laughs> soy face. The shark bow. Yeah. I think it... <laughs> you do realize that somebody somebody's gonna screen cap that one shot of you and use that to say confirmed soy face. <laughs> God. Oh dear. But but yeah, so so for that, you are the geek of the week. Congratulations. Now then. Um, I've got, a, I've got a bit of news, some, some good, some, some concerning and some bad. Now, the first bit of good news is that, and I've, I brought this, this is a little bit old, but I feel it's worth bringing up now. Um, White Wolf is apparently back. Initially, I thought that White Wolf was basically being supplanted by Onyx Path Publishing, who's drank the Kool-Aid several times over. We'll hope, we'll hopefully get to that late, later down on the line, because it seemed that they were handling the publishing of World of Darkness and Exalted. In some, in some, and in the case of Exalted, which is which, for the record, is one of my favorite tabletop RPGs of all time, have um, kind of drunk the Kool Aid and drop and seriously dropped the ball when they said that Exalted is just Wuxia and mythology, which it certainly can be, but that's selling it way, way short. Um, but it seems that White Wolf is trying to make a new world of a new new world of darkness setup, with starting with a new Vampire the Masquerade and a new Werewolf, and they're teaming up with with a French-based Mephidius to actually I can't remember if it was, actually no they're they're a UK company and to handle the game. Now Mephidius is most known recently for stuff like. Um, Mutant Mutant Chronicles Third Edition, um, turning Corvus Bell's Infinity into a, a into a pretty decent game, and also they're they're, they're responsible for the most recent Conan RPG, okay, which Exiles isn't. It? Um, no, Exiles is done by Funcom. I'm talk I'm talking oh. about a, a tabletop RPG, um, Conan Adventures in the in the Edge of the Wild. Oh wait, man, I'm getting that mixed up. Getting my this is the problem when you've got like two thousand different RPG names in the in the back burner. You end up get you end up getting some of the names mixed up. But they've been they've been handling um they've been handling co they've been handling um Conan and hello hello there Anita how you how you doing um and now they're now. Fortunately, it doesn't seem that they're using their 2D20 system for this new vampire because the playtest version is out. I do have the PDFs for that. I might, um, I might try and I might try and not do a playtest of that because my last playtest of a system that wasn't out yet didn't go so well. But I might give I might give it a once through since I'm already going to be covering another playtest come August with uh, Pathfinder's second edition. But. This is interesting because it's if Mophidius is handling things, then there's the possibility that we might not have to deal with World of Darkness Social Justice Edition anymore. Um, the news that's a bit that's a bit um concerning is in regard to the board game giant Asmodee, who's who's bought up a lot of different companies over the over the last year, mm -hmm. last year or so, so. As it goes, Osmond, 
This is and this is coming from Reuters. Asmodee Group hired a, hired a group of investment bankers to run a sale process. Validation of the company is reported at over 1.5 billion euros, or about 1.7 billion US. Any sale would have potential wide-reaching implications for the industry, as Asmodee has been in, has been on an acquisition spree over the past few years, purchasing board, card, and role-playing companies such as Fantasy Flight Games, Z-Man, Days of Wonder, Catan Studio, Plaid Hat Games, and a bunch of others. I actually got pissed about the Fantasy Flight Games accusation acquisition because it meant two really good RPGs from FFG got shit canned in the process. The 40k RPG, um, or RPGs technically, and the um and the really good um anima RPG, which is still being published in Spain, but the uh, the localization was handled by Fantasy Flight. Um, anyway, so far, these companies have been mostly left to their own devices when it comes to management and creative choices, but an ownership change may alter that arrangement. In addition, with news of multiple retail change entering bankruptcy or outright closing, such as Toys R Us, a sale may, may put the company at risk of a leveraged buyout, where financial firms take out loans to purchase a company, then transfer the debt incurred to the company they just purchased for the company to pay off. Rutus did not identify their sources because the deliberations are confidential, and neither Eurazo, the current owner of Asmodee Group, nor Asmodee themselves have commented. It, what's interesting about this sort of thing is that Asmodee is very. Asmodee leaves a lot of the companies up to their own up to their own devices. Mm -hmm. And I would like to hope that it that maintains the case after this deal goes down because the last thing I want is Asmodee's telling Fantasy Flight Games or something like that. No, you need to work on more board games. Fuck all, fuck your Edge of the Empire shit. Work on more board games with this, with uh, Star Wars. And the sad thing is, Fantasy Flight Games is the only people who has the Star Wars license that actually seems to give a damn. <laughs> like. The movies, shit. The vi the video game end of things, shit and shit and shit. The tabletop games, well, the RPG has been done has been doing pretty well. Imperial Assault, Armada, and um, X Wing all all um are decent miniatures games that fill different niches. Mm -hmm. And um, Destiny is a very good dice game. No, not that Destiny, Star Wars Destiny. And the funny thing is, most of them cover the original trilogy. Not many, there hasn't been much delving into the new stuff. Probably a reason for that. <laughs> like, there has been, Fantasy Flight Games has not even touched The Last Jedi. The only <laughs> thing from the new trilogy that they've done was one module for The Force Awakens that was a tie-in to the recent Force and Destiny RPG that they made that was about, about um, Force users. Mm. They have... um. They now have, and I reviewed them a while back, but they now have three Star Wars RPGs. And hey, Aaron. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Better late than never. We're just we're just missing the stack of comic books. Yeah, it's turned. Yeah, sorry, sorry for the delay. The damn, uh, my damn job. Ugh. I hate working <laughs> Sundays. How's it going, Aaron? You're right. I'm doing all right. Of course, it's a little hot in here, but luckily, I don't have the damn air on. So what did I miss? Um, just, a, just a bit of entry stuff. Me going over the geek of the week and talking over getting 
the possibility of a new vampire, the masquerade from a Mophidius, so it's probably not going to be Kool-Aid induced. And this whole and this whole deal with Asmodee possibly looking for a buyer. Hmm. Yeah, um, I haven't. I don't. To be honest, I really don't follow Vampire that much. But uh, but it's per, it's pretty interesting. Hopefully that hopefully the uh, soy syndicate doesn't come after. This isn't sock sunk their teeth into that that franchise. Well, soy well the yeah. um, well the people who are <laughs> publishing the reprint of World of Dar- of Old and New World of Darkness certainly got are certainly part of the soy syndicate, but um. They've got bigger problems than just than just virtue signaling. We'll hopefully get to that later. Oh. Um, the other, and besides, Mophidius is the is the uh, current publisher for the for the most recent Conan RPG. And do you really think anybody who's drinking who's guzzling down the soy is going to handle Conan? Oh no! Unless they turn a uh, Conan into like some sort of a. Uh... Gave him a freaking soy beard, prom glasses, and all of a sudden he's like posing with a damn Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Which, um, but by the way, uh, Funcom, find a way to get Exiles onto the Switch. You'll make bank, trust me. And uh, aside from their soy prom, the Nintendo Switch, I think, is doing pretty well anyway. I think um, it's it's giving Sony some some proms and. Uh, I well, think Microsoft as well because Microsoft because Microsoft based- Microsoft screwed. They, um, I'm going to see, this is going to be, this is going to be the worst impression you're going to hear all week, <laughs> but Microsoft screwed Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that is, that is the worst Vince McMahon impression I will ever do. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft's pay, still paying for the sins of Don Matrick, and they've been doing that ever since that console launched. If Microsoft has any freaking guts, they need to go it, in E3. I basically said it in like my uh, little uh, little uh, report card that I had on E3. I post on Twitter that Microsoft either needs to go big with the exclusives or just get out. Mm. Well, I don't know why they canceled that. Um, do you remember that game that uh, they've, they've had of, several? Uh, they've had several promising exclusives that got, that got uh, that got shit canned or yeah. came out to a whimper. Like Platinum yeah. Studios that work on that made Scaleback. No, Scaleback. That's it. That's what was the name. And I was from what from what I was able to dig up on that, Scalebound was pretty close to going gold before, oh, really? before they pulled the plug. And Kamiya was not happy. But then again, Kamiya is um, he's he's an he's a uh, he's a grumpy asshole by his own admission. But he's an <laughs> oh, honest man, grumpy asshole. Cloud. And um, I I get the feeling he probably he probably has Don Matrick blocked. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame him. That guy that guy is a fucking cancer. Because seriously, Scalebound could have been one of those things where where you could have said, okay, yeah, this is a good reason to 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 plop down money for an Xbox One. Yeah, but there was that. There was um, the one that really pissed me off was the was the whole thing with Phantom Dust. Because I loved Phantom Dust on the original Xbox, it it was it wasn't the best, but it was a little game that could. <laughs> and then they brought it back and tried to do some microtransaction bullsh- bullshit with that PC oh, release. They went EA. Yeah, <laughs> you never go full EA. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Their conference in E3, <laughs> it's gonna be a 
complete shit show. Well, maybe maybe they'll it. maybe they'll finally get, maybe they'll finally get Crackdown. You know the thing that they've the oh, thing that they've three. yeah Crackdown <laughs> three. It's the it's the Duke Nukem Forever of Microsoft right now. <laughs> no, I don't even ha- I don't even have anything against Crackdown. I fucking loved Crackdown one and two, but seriously, yeah. they've been waiting so fucking long, and that thing has been delayed so many fucking times. Mm-hmm. I is, feel for the. I feel for the Xbox One owners. The thing is, instead of getting cracked down every freaking year, they're getting hardware upgrades and hardware upgrades and hardware upgrades. I've been complaining about this for the past three years now. It's like, you're not, this is a Sisyphean task. You're not going to out hardware the PC. Well, that and they, that and they thought they'd have the brilliant thing with that um, modular console that I ripped into last month. Oh, God. Which... Okay, it's okay. It's a con- it's a controller that can that can work well with people who have who have physical disabilities. Good job, good job. <laughs> yeah, and they want and they're wondering why their market share or with the P, P they're losing market share to the damn PC. Well, that's why that's why they did that whole thing of the Play Anywhere initiative, which was a terrible, terrible idea. Nope. <laughs> Nintendo beat you to that one. Well, the idea of have of having it that all of all of your releases are going to be on PC, you're basically killing. You're basically putting the question in the um, in the consumer's mind. Well, if I can if I can get the same experience with this on an on a on a, on a PC, why do I need an Xbox? Yeah, why do I need an Xbox? Why do I need a PlayStation? Shit. At least for the Nintendo, they always have first party exclusives. And um, yeah. And that's why Nintendo's doing so well because their first party exclusives are awesome. Well, that and they um they learned their lesson that they should have learned a generation ago and are give are um giving a are um being a lot more open with the dev kit. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a good thing right there. That's the that's the thing that's really helped. They're not being as closed minded about their tech. Yeah. There's also the fact that they've dialed back on the whole on the whole um on the whole motion control thing, because yeah, I think they learned that 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 ship has sailed. I think the only the only thing motion control related that I have for the Switch is arms. That's it. Yeah, it, yeah, because that's the problem with Nintendo. They've been they've they've relied they're relying on gimmicks now. It's the same. It's now now it's filtered down to the other consoles. Even the PC has committed those sins with VR. But um, I think what's going to happen is. It, Nintendo's gonna probably gonna be the last console standing, as I've been saying for the past two years. I'm praying to God. I'm praying to God that Sega releasing a retro Genesis could be a sign they're thinking about getting back into the into the console market. I'd I'd like to I'd like to hope so. Although um, if they made if they made a uh, if they made a Shenmue game as a as an exclusive for that, they would pretty much they would pretty much run off with the bank. Yeah, that that and they got and they could revive a lot of great IPs. I mean, they need to they need to stop it with the with the gimmicks with Sonic and go back to what worked. I mean, Sonic Mania just, worked. Just hire Stealth long. Just hire Stealth uh, long t- as a, a permanent Sonic employee, and you'll be good for years. Yeah, you have that. You have there's a lot of great IPs they can revive. Fantasy Star, one of the most underrated RPG series of all time. Um, yeah, they've done they've done that online, but. Um, Doing that online and doing yeah. and doing that in a in the RPG sense is um, not is not exactly the same. 
Yeah, they need to go back. They need to go back to what worked. I mean, they they haven't released a single player game since Final Fantasy Star Four, and that was what twenty eight years ago. No, no, not twenty eight. Twenty four. Sorry. It's like a quarter. Well, ex- of a except for except for the on off except for the se- except for the semi offline things with the Fantasy Star Universe, but um, we don't talk about that. Yeah, it's more like it's more like okay. It, that did that did exist. It's Brecon. It's like it's, it's like it's like what's going to be with the uh, the the Disney Disney era Star Wars in about ten to fifteen years. Well, like like I like I said, I've you know, and Bayonet is saying Sega needs to release a new Rise Star. You know, as temp as tempting as that as that would be, I I don't see that happening simply because. The whole thing with ukulele may have caused some may have caused some long term damage. Oh uh, yeah, Alien Soldier. I would be I would be okay with that if you if you brought in like Shinji Mikami to do it, or if you did some collaboration with ID. Yeah, but you know, you know what you, you know what franchise I really want to see back if if Sega decides to restart their console division, Streets of Rage. Yes. I was playing the. I've been playing the vintage collection uh, with my wife uh, recently, and it's still really. It's oh, just still it's still so fun and just full of replayability. You, know, you play as, yeah. the, as all the different characters. Yeah, twenty years from now, it still stands out because of the awesome soundtrack, the great oh, gameplay. Yes. I think I think it it was better than it was better than the Final Fight series. Mm. Now imagine Sega. Go doing Streets of Rage again. You remember the you remember the Warriors that Rockstar released like back in two thousand five. Yeah, I never played that, but I do remember. I, I remember that because well, first off, the war the Warriors is one of my is one of my favorite films to the point Same that, here. and this Warriors. is this is going to be a bit of a fail for me. Hmm. Every time I see Warriors trending on Twitter, I immediately think somebody's talking about the movie, and then I get displayed. It's like oh, it's NBA, Golden State, yeah, <laughs> NBA. So the, to the point fast. where um. To the, to the point where to creep out one of my friends on Halloween night, I I grabbed a, I grabbed a few Mexican Coke bottles and did and did the whole thing. <laughs> Warriors, yeah, I used to I used to do that with Coke cans back when I was in a freshman year of high school. Yeah, but I there's a there's a yes there's a spot near there's a spot in in my old neighborhood that had the that had the that had the Coke and glass bottles that still. Um, but that was, but, um, it was looking in hindsight, the fact that that game was released by Rockstar of all people was one, it was understandable to, to an, ex, to an extent, especially since, um, Rockstar can, Rockstar, um, is not very good at mission design. Yeah. I know some people are going to get pissed at, off at that, but it, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, they, yeah, they have some few weak spots. But like I said, I thought the Warriors was a great game. Yeah, because because they it it sort of it would I wished that could have been a start of a revival of the beat 'em up job, but unfortunately that didn't come to pass. Sadly, mm-hmm. because I thought that would have been the next big evolution. Now, if if Sega goes this route with a new Streets of Rage title, oh, imagine the possibilities and even. And they have to bring back Yuzo Koshiro. If you if they can't do that, then um, just 
then I'd say just I'd say just um, do some collaboration with with Arxis because that worked out pretty well for Hardcore Uprising. Yeah, that and uh, they oh, had that. Oh, I just remembered. Maybe or if they can't do Yuzo, you know what they could do? They could they could find some synthwave artists and put soundtrack to that one. Mm. Yeah, or the um, or whoever was working on Double Dragon Neon because that was that was pre- that was pretty good, but. Mm-hmm. Daisuke Ishiwatari, I, I feel I feel needs more work when it comes to his compositions. Like he is he is fucking awesome with what with what he does. But given the given the um, rise in pop popularity with Fire Emblem, it might be a good time to to get some to get some new stuff with uh, Shining Force in a, a in a proper strategy RPG in a proper uh, strategy RPG setup. Yeah. The Shining Force has been has been around, but they but it's like they've gone into this experimental hole. Um, uh, Fire, oh, sorry to interrupt again. Fire Emblem, it that's that's under Nintendo, right? Yeah. Oh God, and that they could do Shining Force as well because, like I say, it won't it won't have the tree the Nintendo Treehouse stench to it. Well, tree Treehouse is Treehouse has effectively been has effectively gotten the boot gotten the boot after that after that incident. And um, which is the, which is the reason why with Xenoblade Chronicles two you had everybody doing the worst British accent and um let's see a new Shinobi game would be fantastic have the Ninja Gaiden people work on it well me me as well because um because Itaga- Itagaki is doing bugger all and um team and Team Ninja has based has basically been doing has been doing helper work um most recently with uh, Dissidia NT which. They did very. They did Aura, the city arcade in Japan. They did very good on, but I do. Th- I do think that we need that kind of that kind of a difficulty with the, with that level of speed. And Neo was close, but not quite. It was. It was basically in the. It was basically in the same speed ranking as um, as Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disparaging Bloodborne. Fucking love it. But there's some. There's something to be said about that. About that kind of speed. And I do think that um, since Itagaki is nowhere near or anywhere around, you're not going to have the problem anymore that you had with Vanilla Ninja Gaiden 2, because fuck that. <laughs> Gatling, rocket launcher ninjas. What the fuck? Oh my god. god. Oh, the cyborg, the cyborg ninjas as no, well. I'm, no, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the ones that will... Now, for uh, Ninja Gaiden 2, are you playing the PS3 version or the 360 version, um, Flat? I've, I've, I've got the 360 version. Okay, so you've got to deal with you've got to deal with the real shit. Yeah, <laughs> a few. Honestly, that game was. Well, first off, there was the bullshit thing with that fire armadillo, where the only <laughs> way, where the only way to survive that is to is is to hold block and stand slightly in front in front of it in order to make a cutscene play. Oh my god! So this is a, so this is basically some. Shinobi PS2 shit here, right? <laughs> um, Ninja Ga- even not even on the easiest difficulty with Ninja Gaiden Two, it's the wrong kind of ha- Ninja Gaiden Two on the 360 is the wrong kind of hard mm. because they like to spam. Everybody likes to spam ranged attacks, and they like to use throw moves without any wind up. Yeah, those the enemies all have really cheap. Cheap shots or cheap combos that really smack a lot of damage. It's the and I've I've seen people say I've seen people try and use the get good excuse. Except 
I put in this. I put it in the same category as I did Halo 2's legendary di campaign difficulty. <laughs> you remember those fucking jackal snipers? And hey, Doku's finally shown up. <laughs> yeah, I just got home, man. Sorry for being late. No worries. Better late than never. Besides, first casualty is always the bat always the battle plan. I was going over the news, and then we just kind of descended into madness. Um, oh, that's always fun. Talked about talked about getting a new Vampire the Masquerade. Talked to, talked about Asmodee looking for a buyer, and the third bit the third bit of news that I did have that I did have to cover it. And this is the this is the one that um, got me so pissed off that I was actually I was actually on the same page with Jeremy of all people. Um, Anita showing up as oh, a guest. Oh my word! At Gen Con. Jack, this is why. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. This is why I avoid freaking conventions now, because now most of these places they're virtue signaling up a storm. Yeah, I go to the smaller conventions, and I'm going. I'm still going to MetroCon next month because because I know I'm gonna I know I'm gonna have some fun there, and um, Scott Scott McNeil's gonna be there, which is going which um, I have heard stories about Scott McNeil, and he is um interesting. <laughs> you know, we talked about this on Stream of Corruption, but I'll say it here as well because it's worth saying. I swear, Anita Sarkeesian going to fucking Gen Con. Hmm. I swear to fucking God, if she comes out with a tropes of women or what the fuck ever in RPG and tabletop gaming, I am going to lose my shit. What you know does she have make to? Me? Actually, here's here's the thing, and you know, uh, go ahead, go ahead, because I, I want, I don't want to go ahead. No, you, know, you know what's gonna make me lose? You know what's gonna make me lose my shit? Is what is when she's get, when she's gonna when she's probably gonna talk about about um about the if she if she gives some sort of spiel about the monk contributing to Orientalism or the um or the appropriation feminist oh is the most feminist character class or oh that she's been playing D and D for a long time I am go I am going to start flipping tables. Yeah, she'll fucking claim one, though, because I paid too much money for this, and I do not feel like putting it back together. Well, well, as as you know, I think this this has been I think this has been building up in the tabletop gaming sector for quite a while. Yeah, this has been building up for a long yeah for a long the whole time. the whole whiners of the coast bullshit mm. with they got they got pedophiles kicking out Jeremy because oh he he bit he uh freaking went did went, you went hard on a fucking thought. Aaron, did you happen to see the uh, video that Alpha Investments did of that? I'm not sure if this was a misprint or what happened, but there was this really badly printed version of D&D 5th Edition's Player's Handbook. I've heard about I, I think I might have heard about Is this the one where they decide to have all these gender-neutral characters now? Um, they've been... Oh, no, wait. Is this, they, they put is this a thing of, about the retarded character? No, first, first off, if first off, a character being retarded does it, can I am rendered numb to that kind of thing because I've had to read through Fatal with its actual retard strength. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, you think I'm fucking kidding. I am not. I know you're not. <laughs> I know you ain't. That's why it's funny. I just think some people are just willing to go down that route. Hmm. Fatal, the... fatal is a fatal is a legend when it comes to bad tabletop RPGs. You are you are not prepared for this. Well, good thing I good thing I'd never heard of those guys. <laughs> the thing that makes me wonder though is what does Anita Sarkeesian have to offer to tabletop RPGs? Only I'll tell only, you what. Only one, only two things. One, she did one 
module that was absolute shit for House on Haunted Hill, which, mm. for the record, for me personally, I remember trying to uh, run House of ha- House at Haunted Hill at um at an L- at an LGS a few times. It basically comes off as a poor man's Arkham Horror. So it's a ripoff campaign. Lovely. No, no, no. I'm saying House on Haunted Hill is just is just a poor man's version of what Arkham Horror does. Except with Aura, what uh, Tannhauser does. Except they they um they do not hold back with the uh, cre- with the creepy, and there's and there's the fact that um think that you can have a very strong ri- risk of getting fucked up. I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to talk about difficulty one handed or some shit like that. What I'm saying is is that um the is that the it felt. It felt way too much like the, like it was just trying to be a horror version of Clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, yeah, yeah, freaking Cthulhu did it with the candlestick over at the Dead Conservatory. Yeah, but but, but her being invited. This feels like it's a last ditch, like you know, the last dying breath of her relevancy. Um, and also, well, she's virtue signaling. The- she's been trying to do this transferring over into into. Well, the pr- the problem is 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 um for starters, anytime that she tries to venture into a se- venture into a, a separate thing like like when she tried to do the freak show or when she tried to do the the live streams, they always end up going up in flames or just go or just going up with a poof. Yeah, it <laughs> turns into a freaking low calyx. She becomes a freaking low cal instantly. Now. The thing with the tabletop situation, why Genjikon's rolling out the goddamn red carpet is they want to basically, what they call, plant their little resistance flag into the fucking industry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I see this as a bad thing and a good thing. Bad, it, it, of course, emboldens the soy syndicate and the cat lady cabal, etc. And it turns, and it turns to the tabletop gaming industry into a bigger dumpster fire. Although but, you want to know, you want to know what my prediction on this on this sort of thing is is going to end up happening, is that for the people who their only tabletop experience is anything that comes out of Wizards of the Coast that isn't Axis and Allies, because um, Axis and Allies is where your is is where your um, OC is where your OCD goes to die with its six hundred fucking pieces. And that's no, not even, even the worst. That's not even the worst. Kate, that's not even the worst defender I've seen. The worst defender was this game from the '70s called "The Race for South Africa," with a oh board that it, with a uh, with a board map that is larger than a human child. Oh my word! <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, so so it's basically like a big version of uh, what's that? What's that thing they came out with the camp? Weapons and warriors and shit. Yeah, I'll I'll try it. I'll try and put in a um. <clears throat> there's a there's a link to the game on like on like Board Game Geek, and it's it shouldn't come as no surprise that when people started messing around with computers, one of the first thing that somebody tried to do was try and make a digital version of that game, simply because then all the <laughs> all the shit could be um easily handled. Yeah, I can. I'm definitely checking this out after. Well, I still got I got to do some work though, but uh, I but but I I, I am definitely checking that out when I get time. <laughs> Because that seems like sort of interesting. So, I mean, let me guess. Race, race for South Africa. Sounds, sounds like, sounds like what, what's, what's the whole plan? Malema takes over the entire Earth's country, and now you gotta, now you gotta no throw, him and throw him off, throw him off, off. I, uh, I, I, I take, it, I take it back. 
I don't think it was. I can't remember. I think it was actually. I think it was actually North Africa. It was basically supposed to be. It was. It was one of those early '70s era kind of kind of war games that's trying to, that's trying to replicate uh, World War II or or uh, antiquity. And oh, North Africa. Yeah, oh, yeah, North okay, Africa. that makes sense now. Yeah, and and in that and that's why you have this huge map. And I I know it was bigger than a kid because somebody took a somebody took a, a picture. Where they had their where they had their kid who was like who was like five years old laying next to laying next to the map and the map was <laughs> taller than the kid. You just put in a map a map of a map of the game. Child added for effect. <laughs> Scale reference. Good lord. Oh my god. But I, I think I think somebody said that it would take that a full game would take like two years to finish. Oh my so basically civilization. Civilization if it was it was made in real as a board game. Well, funny you mentioned that. Civilization was originally a board game. Yeah. Although the uh, original board game of Civilization and the game that you know have nothing in common. It's just that they it's just that um it kind of and it kind of went into that direction because they were going to be because Sid Meier was going to be making that game and he was going to call he wanted to call it Civilization, but that name was taken by Avalon Hill. So in, in a so show, he puts of, in, so he puts in this. Uh, so he puts in his his name, Sid Meier's Civilization, to sort of get around the copyright. Well, well, that that, and he didn't he didn't want to rock the boat. And although a few years later we would have a Ghostbusters incident where they would come out with it, they would come out with Advanced Civilization, in kind in kind of the same way that um that there's a difference that there's a reason why the Ghostbusters cartoon had to call itself the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, somebody else beat him to it. And I saw I think I saw that and I saw that I think I saw that uh that that uh funimate I want oh was it that, that filmation film, yeah the filmation version of uh Ghostbusters when I was a kid. Yeah I remember that. It was like one of those mediocre eighties nineteen eighties era cartoons. Well film filmation by the eighties was a shadow of their former self. I mean this was filmation in Hanna Barbera in the in the seventies was absolutely dominant, but by the eighties not so much, mostly because their way of dominating was flood everything. Problem is, when you flood everything, stuff Over gets shit. Oversaturate the market, you're going to end up with mediocre product at best. Well, that that's why Hanna Barbera did the tide gimmick. It was a, it was a way to cut costs, so they didn't have to so they didn't have to animate a neck and animate the rest of the body. They could just animate the head. Because animation is a lot more expensive than people think. Yeah. Um. But, but um, as far as this whole, th what I do imagine happening, and um, I I almost I almost want to get a ticket to Indiana so I can ask her this question and record it so I can see her make a fool out of herself. I don't know, <laughs> man. She might she might get she might get her her soy thugs to kick you out of Gen Con. Be careful. <laughs> And Polygon print an article about you. Look at this garbage human. Look at this garbage human. He he probably he probably he's probably one of those those he should have came he probably came in with a had a manga hat under his, that hood of his. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then it can, and I dare I dare them to do it because then the next thing I say I say I could say I could just go. Yeah, it's, it's real it's real nice to see how progressive you are by throwing out a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what would be the question that you'd ask her? I would ask her, name, th name three, 
name three RPGs that you have played that are not D and D. Yeah, that's gonna start out. Yeah, <laughs> remember, yeah, remember, cue the Jeopardy music. Cue the Jeopardy think music. <laughs> yeah, because re remember what happened with um when she was when she was on the Colbert Report before Colbert decided to start sucking. Mm. Yes, and, ba and basically and basically turned his show into into the bitch about Trump hour. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The sixty minutes of hate, basically. Which I'm I'm. Which um I don't I don't really give I don't really give a shit for for anti it's more it's more of do something else. Yeah. It's like I, it's like I tell all those soy boys who keep who keep railing about who keep who keep bringing up Harry Potter references read something else. There's a fucking library three blocks from my house. Oh, Harry Potter would let the Syrian refugees in. <laughs> Harry Potter would be supportive. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. irony of that fact is J.K. Rowling said something similar on Twitter, and when she was asked to house some refugees in one of her multiple mansions, she just stopped responding. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, people, people also pointed out the fact that um, Hogwarts is just like the the proposed wall uh, between Mexico and the U.S. is that Hogwarts doesn't allow muggles in, does it? Wait, hmm. could we consider Hogwarts an ethnostate if wizards were considered a race? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, how the Hogwarts is an alt-right um, recruitment. Well, we, we already have. We already have. We already have proof that they that they um, that they're perfectly that the um, pod people are perfectly fine with that sort of state. I mean, after all, you saw how they lapped up Black Panther. Yeah. Oh yeah, they oh, love Wakanda, which word. is essentially an alt-right wet dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, to the but, point where, to the point where I think actual alt-righters were congratulating it. Yeah, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard a few people who are alt-right who are like, "I actually love the Black Panther movie, and this is why." It's oh. like here we go. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what's funny is um, there was a guy on YouTube that that came out with a video that was released around the time uh. That Black Panther came out. He basically came came talking about, um, oh, you're not just here because you're supporting black superheroes. So, and basically, he gave out um, a, a an example called you've heard of Static Shock, right? Yeah. Okay. Fact, I remember reading the original. I remember reading at least one issue of the original Milestone Run, although I wouldn't recommend it. It's very different. Yeah. So, so the guy's like saying. So this guy's going there. So if these people ain't out here, if I, when I call out superhero static shop, and they they he say if he doesn't hear the whoop whoop, he's gonna slap everybody in the freaking theater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah that was a that was a freaking yeah. That's why I didn't go see Black Panther because I I personally had a feeling it was another one of those mediocre Marvel movies, you know. And it's that's the problem. It's it's become most of the Marvel. Movies, they're not bad. It's just they become rote. Well, it's Black Panther was. Oh, sorry. I was about to say Black Panther was written from a African American perspective rather than from an African. It's African. It's that whole that whole perspective thing. I always I always hate that kind of that kind of argument because. It implies an it implies an intrinsicness to what is otherwise a new to what otherwise is a neutral work that some that somehow a, that somehow a work is magically different and I use and I'm using the term magic in a half hyperbolic sense here 
Yeah. That it's some that is somehow diff it's somehow different but by magic simply be simply because of the person who's simply because of the ethnicity of the person who's writing it. And to illustrate why this annoys me so much, let me tell let me tell you a little story. So years a few decades ago, cast your mind cast your mind to the to the um to the early nineties. Warner Brothers has finally gotten a gotten a director for the Malcolm X biopic that they've had in development hell for several years. The, the director's name was Norman Jewison. Okay. Now nor now this was a controversial move, even though Norman Jewison was the guy who directed the movie and later show in the heat of the night, which is really good. Oh yeah. He had all he was also the director of Rollerball had written multiple pieces on racial tension and had experienced racial tension of his own being a being a Jew, being a Jewish man growing up in French Canada oh. and because of his because and well technically he wasn't Jewish but people assume that because of his name even though he even though he wasn't but he was a English speaker in French Canada which um has its own issues but no he it it, it was a the problem was that he that he was white. They took they ignored everything else that he'd done and focused just on that. As and to to be fair, Jewison outright said that he'd never felt that he got it quite right when he during his time on it. And Spike Lee's version was pretty good because this was before Spike Lee decided to I'm going to get into a kissing contest with with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Spike Lee. That's the thing, Spike Lee. He still, I still think he's a great director. It's just now, it's like, it's I'm most, not like most of Hollywood now. Old, just like after most old of, boy, I'm not entirely sure because that was a massive disappointment. Yeah. Oh well, the, what the U.S. remake of Old Boy? Yeah. Ah, uh, because I've not seen that. Is that yeah. Josh Josh Brolin, wasn't it? Yeah, and here here's the thing. I um I had high hopes because Lee up to that point was one of those last auteur kind of kind of directors where. You know when you're watching something that's that's got hit that's got his fingerprints on it because he has a certain style, like how like how Tarantino has a certain style or, um, or Scorsese has a certain style. Yeah, all yeah, all of Spike Lee's older stuff from from, from the beginning all the way up to I would say even Inside Inside Man was pretty freaking good, but the problem here is I think what what's biggest drawback is the guy. He's a huge, huge. He's a huge race baiter, like big, big time SJW. Let's just say he ain't gonna be dining with the Hoteps anytime soon. No, but he'll probably he'll probably be dining with. He'll probably have. He'll probably give Tariq Nasheed a leading role. <laughs> <laughs> or Sean King. Or Sean King. <laughs> Produced by Sean King, written written by Tanahishi Coates, and starring Tariq Nasheed. <laughs> there's, there's oh. a, there, I, I would just, go. I would go see that just to laugh at it. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the U.S. remake of Old Boy in comparison to the Korean one? Then, what? What are the differences oh, like? Well, the big prop, the it's it tries the problem that I had with it personally was that it played everything far, far too safe. Hmm. Like I couldn't like if uh, if I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that some that some 
that's that Brett Ratner direct directed this because there's nothing in here that's set that has Spike Lee's um style. And more importantly, I know that every everybody loves the hammer scene. And if you if you don't know what that is, go go look it up. Oh, I see. Was it, it all done in a single take, wasn't it? That that scene? I don't know if it was done in a single take, but it was actually I think it might have been, but it was vi- but what's more impressive is how it was shot. Mm. With that yeah. with just that whole single line kind of thing. Yeah. Um I I put it right up there with the one take fight scene from the protector, which every time I see that I feel I feel like busting out my old copy of uh, Rise to Honor, which is a really good game on the P- oh, on the yeah. PS2. Oh, um, very underrated. Oh, that was that Jet Li game I remember you telling me about. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, but the the problem is the main the main thing that they really changed is the fact that instead of being set in Korea, Korea it's being set in the Big Easy, hmm. which. On paper, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I mean, the yeah. biggie big better than uh, sitting in like L.A. or fucking New York, where they usually like to shoot. Yeah, yeah, or I could the but a place like the Big Easy with which has a very which has a cultural identity all its own, that could work pretty well. Except the problem when you do that and at the same time play things straight is that certain things don't mesh. Hmm. Like, do you rec- do you recall the scene in the original? Yeah. Where he where he was able to pinpoint where a um where a a, a ramen a ramen shop by taste. They tried to do that exact same thing in the U.S. version, except the problem is in in something like Korea, you could probably do that because everybody's their own, everybody's their own kind of chef, everybody's their own kind of chef and has their own kind of style. Mm. In um. In a place like that, where you where you could easily get top ramen, in a place like Louisiana, where you could easily get top ramen if you wanted to, not so much. You would have been if if they had switched out ramen for crawdads. I would I would actually applaud that because that would make more sense, mm-hmm. or you know some something that you would ex, that you would expect in like, that like a, area. Like basically like a, like one of them Cajun diners, right? Yeah. Where I mean, you're gonna where you're gonna have a bunch of var- you're gonna have a bunch of variation and shoot and uh, picking it out by taste there makes more sense. Hmm. Yeah. I mean the Korean ver- uh, version was just so like tonally as well. It was really unsettling. Like do you remember when he eats the octopus alive? Yeah. And he did. They did actually film that. Uh, it was an alive octopus, wasn't it? And the tentacle, like all the suckers. Uh, are sticking to his face as he just literally mushes it up and just takes a bite out of this octopus. So really... it's Kurt Eichenwald's oh. wet dream. Yeah. That... <laughs> 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 no, no, it's, no. There's no wet dream because there because there's no cr- there. You can't have cream in that octopus. Just ink. <laughs> but, oh, that scene made me feel really queasy like Whoa. yeah but like i said kurt eichenwald might have saw it as a turn <laughs> yeah it was probably you know what i'm i am dropping that line of thought now because i'd like to sleep tonight <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um let's see now i do ha- i do have a bit of i i do have a bit of art of art of article read of article reading but before before that, um, Flat, it sounded like you had a bit of news that you wanted to get into. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so I stumbled across, seems as though we were talking about Anita Sarkeesian earlier and, and the lies that she peddles about um, sexualized female characters and sexual violence makes game, it encourages gamers and influences them to think that rape acceptance is. Uh... Oh my God. Well, anyway, this article on One Angry Gamer. Basically, a study was done uh, and it was published uh, in March of this year, uh, 2nd of March. A research studied by Glenna L. Reed, uh, Teresa Lynch, and Nicholas Matthews as part of the Sex Roles, a, journey, a journal of research, covers the topics of whether or not sexy video game avatars help encourage or inf influence the rape myth acceptance. And it turns out that after testing 300 US college students who either played or watched someone play as a sexualized and a non-sexualized female avatar in games, discovered that participants actually had reduced rape myth acceptance and reduced hostile sexism towards women. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, I, I think it's time. I think it's time to play. I think it's time to play some play some bets. And um, unfortunately, I'm unfortunately I can't do the auctioneer voice without um without but without killing my without killing my tongue or something. And I don't feel like biting my tongue again. But um, I am I'm putting a few predictions. One, you're going you're going to hear. You can possibly set a drinking game to the number of people who are going to say doesn't count with <laughs> something in this um in this study and two they're going they're going to make the argument that that um 300 that 300 college age students is not a uh, is it's not a great aggregate is yeah. not is not a good enough aggregate to to which i say well allow me to retort <laughs> 100 or so 100 or so was good enough for the fucking bully hunters so what's your problem <laughs> but this, yeah. is an in, this is an interesting bit in the study that it states. It goes, results contradicted hypothesis that greater tasks and demands um, and sexualization would produce greater, R I'm not sure what RMA stands for, hostile sexism and self-objectification. Instead, we found that sexualization did not affect these variables. So it seems that hypothesis was, uh, well, they had this, you know this bias that oh yeah of course it's uh, it's going to make people sexist and and uh, you know they're going to think that yeah rape accept you know accept that rape is fine oh god so their well, hypothesis me... sorry go ahead <laughs> that's what I was just it makes me laugh that their their hypothesis was that sexualized characters do make people sexist <laughs> and that, <laughs> that is... reminds me of that study back in the nineties where uh. They wanted to study to see if uh, violent video games made people more prone to violence, and the results were just completely the opposite. <laughs> oh boy, this is gonna, yeah, and like I said, this is gonna go over like the gun control debate. Mm. It's like, well, that's the, oops, sorry, yeah, go because on. here's the thing: these, they, it's like, oh, they're causing all this violence. Oh, let's call on Lord Sex, and we need to ban this, we need to ban that. But it turns out their their studies are showing the opposite happening. It's like, it's like, uh, that didn't exist. It's a, it, it was an alt right study. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna say that. Aren't they? They're gonna try and legit. They're gonna completely try to legitimize. Um, yeah, or they'll just study. or they'll just go on a limb and say Trump funded it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I really wonder whether Google is gonna completely try and bury this study as well. Yeah. Well, the, stu the study is not. properly tenured, right? Uh, say that again, sorry? 
the study is pro is properly a ten is properly tenured and sub and submitted for a peer review. Uh, let me see in the article. like it's a it's a pro it's gone through the proper academic channels is what I'm asking. And by the way, I see I see that my favorite Scotsman is in the chat. Hello, cure you. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. Re uh, I th I'm sh I think it has been peer reviewed. Well, I'm, I'm not asking you if it. I I don't know if it's been peer reviewed per se. What I'm curious about yeah. is if it was, is if it was if this was done through a um, through a proper a proper um um institution or or some or something to that extent. Because it does it does sound like it is. Who did who did the study? Uh, so it was done a research study by Glenna L. Reed, uh, Teresa Lynch, and Nicholas L. Matthews. Yeah, but so as far as far as um. Was this at was this at a university? Was this at a in, was this at an institute? Uh, uh, trying to see where it says in the article. Um, there's also these like in the article. There's also other li links to other studies as well, which were done. Uh, there was last year University of Luxembourg. Uh, to okay. Test hypothesis. Okay. In that in that case, I th I think there's at least some degree of tenure, which means Google. Google can't do shit. Hmm. There's, there's one here. It says uh, Martha Fernandez de. Oh, that's a long name. Martha Fernandez de Henestrosa and a Andrew Belzer from University of Luxembourg uh, set out to test the hypothesis posed by media outlets that sexualized female characters in games encouraged rape myth acceptance. Luxembourg. And, uh, yeah. I keep thinking. I keep. I don't know why, but I keep thinking Luxembourg is in Sweden. I'm not sure if it is or not. Luxembourg is its own country, man. Yeah, it's just yeah. very tiny. It's in the, but it's smack dab in the middle of Europe. And then there's this other one. In May 2017, a study: the effects of sexualized violence in games on rape myth acceptance. Researchers reluctantly concluded that sexualized avatars in games do not encourage rape myth acceptance. Reluctantly. <laughs> What's that, that part it's of? Like, was yeah, it's like, oh, I give up. Oh God! And then there's also jaded authors like Laurie Penny. Do you know her? Have you heard? Oh, of her? oh yes, <laughs> I know all about her. <laughs> that, she tossed textual petrol on the ever-burning coal fire of feminist ire, directing the game industry with a piece for the New Statesman, published on the 18th of June, 2012, titled "Lara Croft and Rape Stories: Breaking Down the Bitch." She's oh, basically God. Saying, oh, yeah, that goes again. Goes back to the. To that, to that saying, women tend to hate other women a lot. Oh God, Laurie Penny is such a ugly, hey, mousy woman, isn't she? Well, I wouldn't even call what her is, a woman. What is their obsession with Laura Croft? Is what I gotta know. Like out of every, I'll tell you why. It's because um, it's because it's because popular and it's it's in the same vein as the obsession with Grant with Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, good point. It's, yeah, it's popular, and not only that, her her uh, Laura Croft's figure before they before they uh, gender neutralized it <laughs> is a it, is a bit more a bit more appealing than that that freaking stick stick that she is. She looks like well, she looks like she can she just got lost out of the shire and got some fucking hair dye on her. I have <laughs> played I have played both the both the first birth the uh, both the reboot and. And Rise of the Tomb Raider, hmm. and I'm near the end of Rise of the Tomb Raider. I I do have I do have to I do have to say that I do have to say this. 
Rihanna Pratchett, stick to writing Discworld because you have the worst luck when it comes to writing in video games. <laughs> and this is not and this is not because this, I'm not saying this because of some virtue signal shit, but more of she I don't know if I don't know if this was if this was on her or on somebody else because no one no one person kill, kills a no one cook kills the kitchen. But her but the writing in in both this and the Mirror's Edge games seems to not understand the notion of un, of unifying character with um with a player with a, the protagonist. So basically, she went to the Ryan Johnson School of of um, <laughs> of storytelling. Yeah, and the the sad the sad thing is, a character like Faith, I I wanted to like, but the but mm -hmm. it doesn't give me, but they give me every reason to not. Mostly, be, mostly because when it does stuff solely for this, when both when all all the stories do stuff solely for the sake of melodrama, the story does not care about you. Oh, oh God! He was asking about Warhammer Adventures. Oh my God! Oh my God! What the f Games Workshop? What the fuck are you thinking? Oh, what what's hap What happened with Warhammer? Have, what you, have you heard about War? Have you heard about the Warhammer Adventures books? Oh, that 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 that, that they're going to market to kids. It's now strictly. It was already I, um, marketed to. This is this is a terrible, everyone. terrible idea. But I will I will admit that there is a twisted, sick part of me that that um that wants this to succeed well enough that little Timmy goes out and buys a copy of like the first heretic or buys a book involving the dark Eldar or Slanesh demons. <laughs> yeah. So you're thinking <laughs> this like his a... mommy's money and then she gets into a dissy fit when she reads the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah, sort of like the sort of like how people are thinking that Thundercat Roar is going to get everyone to watch the, the previous cartoon <laughs> versions, which it's hopefully it it does go that way hmm. because they're going to see how superior they are. It's like what the hell was I watching? God, I know okay. that I know that just some guy got me got me to read the uh, Wildstorm run of the comics yeah. when when he when he uh, covered it because that because that was interesting and um. And the thing, the thing is, for the for the longest time, I was under the impression that the 2011 run of Thundercats was killed for was killed because of toy sales and low ratings. Yeah, it was recently brought to my attention was... that's not that's not entirely true. That was a oh. that was a factor, but according to one of the writers who talked about it in, in a podcast, they were planning on a second season, and then Lego came in and fucked it all up. Because they all, they pitched a uh, Legends of Chima thing for a lot less than um, Thundercats was going to be doing, so Ooh, so, uh, the, so Cartoon Network went with them in, instead. Instead, that's what killed it. Yeah. yeah. So, and I want to I want to talk about this a little. It's like it's it's with with Thundercats with they're, they're basic basically it's this. Now, now, about ten years, ten or twenty years ago, they like to remake Ake's new shows. You know, try to get the staples of, try to get the nostalgia staple back. But now, what what I'm seeing a pad, I'm seeing a pattern here with Teen Titans, Thundercats, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, and a few other franchises. It's like 
I get the feeling they're resurrecting them to kill it. I I don't think I am. Um, well, first first off, Aaron, do you know what Hanlon's razor is? Uh, I've heard of Occam's razor, but Hanlon's razor I've never heard of. Never assume malice what can be explained with stupidity. So you think that this is more just stupidity other than them, them trying to be a, a cultural yeah, I locust said, army? I said, about, I said about a week ago that um, that it's it's funny that they tell their critics to grow up when they're the ones who are chasing after who are chasing after people's childhood and yeah, literally oh, but, and phys literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah, and the reason the reason why I made the reason why I made that quip is that it, it's less. I think it's less that they're trying to that trying that it's that they're trying to chase that. It's more of something that I said about social justice warriors three years ago. Where they they want to find dragons so that they can so that they can be so they can be seen as dragon slayers. Or if you'll if you'll forgive me for for um, failing at speaking Greek, they want the kudos without the aridi. <laughs> um, aridi, for those who don't know, is a little hard to translate, but for lack of a better term, it means excellence, achievement, being able to doing something very well. And the and the thing is, they see the amount of adulation that the Teen Titans has, especially especially the uh, especially that especially the version that came out in the two thousands. The ad the adulation that say bet that say um bet that say Batman TAS gets oh. the kind of ad the kind of adulation that the original thun that the original Thundercats gets, and how that's become a staple of geek culture for so many years. They see they see these kind of things get that kind of adulation because geek culture is referential by de by default and by design, and they think that if they bring those sort of things, why? And uh, by hybrid, you did you walking in? There's pretty much everybody but Flatmeister has walked in midway. Don't worry, you're in good company. <laughs> but. They've uh, but they've looked at the they've looked at those things that everybody hails as classics, and they think if we do our own spin on it, then we'll be then we'll be the new classic. Then we'll be just as then we'll be just as popular as the cool kids. That yeah, is effectively yeah. what it is. It is it is somebody who um, it is somebody who get who puts on a varsity jacket because he, he thinks it'll put him on the same level as everybody who's on the football and team. And, he can, and at the and all practice. of a sudden he can bang. All of a sudden, he can bang Bunny the head cheerleader with with the with the D cup up tits and the freaking bubble butt. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that that is, and when that doesn't happen, they can't they can't react because they thought they they thought they had this whole thing figured out, and it turns out no, they didn't. And that's that's why that's why they la they lash out in the in the way that they did. Yeah, and, and the they, reason. Yeah, and I'm sorry to interrupt again, but and and not only that, you, they even go a step further. Like, like again, I'm going back to Ryan Johnson again. It's like he wants to kill the original mythos of of, of Star Wars and replace it with his own soy-filled garbage. I think if I think in his, in his case, if he if he um if that if that really is the if that really is the case, it's more of he wants to he wants to be talked about in the same way that people talk about. What George Lucas did back back then, I and the and that 
I don't think I don't think he wants to kill it out. out of, I think any sort of spite that he has is the fact that people aren't giving him the adulation that he thinks he deserves. Yeah, the only thing they're giving him is spite, <laughs> and he's rightly so and snarky back, isn't he? Yeah, not only that, and not only that. Um, even and Mark Hamill, he's like he's like sort of back giving him all sorts of backhanded compliments to the guy. I they think, oh, Mark Hamill likes me. You can't like no. The motherfucker's putting shade on you. It's just you're stupid enough not to realize it. <laughs> he is Mark Hamill is is doing a is doing a very well is doing a very careful tightrope where he's mm. where he's uh, making it he's making it clear that he's throwing shade, but he's not outright doing it to the point where where somebody might somebody might try and have him blackballed. Because yeah. I guarantee, if he if he came out and said "fuck Ryan Johnson," he he would end up then he would end up being blackballed from so from so many other from so many other people in in his own peerage hmm. yeah. i mean uh did you watch the video someone made, like the 300 times mark hamill tried to warn us about star wars i think the the video is called and it shows uh did you see the 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 premiere when he when he turned up uh, for the premiere of the last jedi there's him hopping about he's all excited he, he doesn't know what the, the i've still not watched the last jedi yet um, so before he goes in to watch the movie, he's all excited, and then afterwards, they got all the casting crew are sat on this long sofa, and the camera uh, looks to Mark Hamill, and he just has this glazed-eyed. I don't know how to describe him. He's just got this glazed-over-eyed uh, stare on his face. He's just completely. He's got the, he looks, he's got the he looks, thousand yard stare. Mm, so he looks like a so looks like a man in shock. Yeah, he oh, probably yeah he probably had the that look that is like, I am going to kill this round-headed tool. Mm. He even looks he looks to to the left of him and looks right at Ryan John like the back of Ryan Johnson's head, and he went, "You fucker, you what you did to my character, to Luke, you know, to to Luke Skywalker." But that's why it makes me wonder whether you know, um, with the lead up to the Last Jedi, you know, they were marketing it like. I think sort of in that last year before it hit cinemas, uh, there was him saying some things that Disney didn't really like. And it makes me wonder whether in post-production, they, using CGI and whatnot, um, I'm trying to be careful here with not... Because I've heard... Basically, I've heard the spoilers of what happened to The Last Jedi. Try not to spoil it for the people watching the stream. Um, but yeah, it makes can't, me wonder... It makes can't me wonder, spoil that's all... You can't really spoil anything that's already been spoiled. Yeah. So don't worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, it makes me ponder whether after like you know where Disney had to rein Mark Hamill in and went, you know, stop talking shit about Star Wars. But it makes me wonder whether post production they used CGI to edit something that wasn't in the original script, like the original story outcome. And it makes me wonder whether that's why we got the ending of The Last Jedi that we did. If people get Get my cryptic meaning. Oh God! So you I think, think that you think that, they killed that, off his character as punishment. Oh, thanks. Um, that was me trying not to uh, spoil it. You outright said probably it. not, but um, but um, yeah, I I do rem I do remember here I do remember hearing about rewrites. So I'm not I'm not completely dis I'm not completely dismissing it, but it is um, it is interesting if yeah, that if that is the case. Yeah, that's my theory, is that it was as punishment. They're like, right, okay, we're going to do it. 
do this then. <laughs> but like, like I, I have, I have been, ha I have been half enter half entertaining the no the notion of um of of since give since I did that whole retrospective of Star Wars RPGs, I've I have entertained the notion at least once of uh, looking at this and saying, okay, I see what we've got here, but I can do it better. Hmm. What I'm really looking forward to, like future Star Wars movies, I want to see Sith training. I want to see what a Sith. Um, they have. They do, not have, they do not have the balls to do that. I really want to see that. What a what a Sith master puts their apprentice through. Because I mean, you know, have, did you ever play Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, where you played oh, as? Oh fuck yeah! I love a Star, a Star Killer. Yeah, as Vader's secret secret apprentice between the episode three and episode four. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. On the character design, it shows little tatters on his uh, Starkiller's um, clothes. It shows tatters and rips, and it also shows, like, burn scars, where either, like, from training droids, like uh, blaster lasers, or even, like, lightsabers as well, whether he's received cuts and little cuts and, and burns here and there from blasters and lightsabers. And that really told a story of, like, well, he's he's really gone through... Uh, a lot through his Sith training to well, become the thing, to become the thing, apprentice. The thing when it comes to when it comes when it comes to how the Sith operate mm -hmm. is that they if the Jedi are defined by harmony, then the Sith are defined by conflict. Mm -hmm. And their and their whole notion of they you will be put through these kind of these kind of hellish trials, and it is not going to be made easier for for you so you either have you either have to you either have to become stronger through them hmm. or you die hmm. it's very um it's they it's very darwinian in that sense yeah and it's now of, co of course some end up taking this way some end up taking this way too far and there's the issue of the sith having the red queen's gambit which is why they which is why the rule of two was needed out of necessity because other, otherwise they're just going otherwise they're just going to end up um backstabbing each other or or find or finding ways to have other people backstab them and the whole thing with the red, the red queen's gambit is the notion of you of it takes all the running you can just to stay in place hmm. um but that is not to that is not to say that the um that these Sith are, necessar are necessarily are necessarily evil, just just born of just uh, born of extreme pragmatism. Hmm. Um, they cer they certainly can be evil, but it's but it's one of those things where you where um the te the teachings themselves aren't. Um, but that's said. I am. I um now unfortunately when when episode nine finally does show up I will be the I will be the one to bite the bullet to see it because hey at least I get free beer. <laughs> Oops. Oh yeah, so, you yeah you're, gonna, you're, gonna, be, you're gonna be carrying that cross, huh? <laughs> well, some somebody's got to bite the bullet, so it may as well be it may as well be the guy who can who can take bumps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could it could be worse. It's not it's not like I'm it's not like I'm spending five minutes with Minoru Suzuki or something. Yeah, really. <laughs> But yeah, if if um, Disney did that and showed what a Jedi, what a Sith um, apprentice goes through through their training, you know, through the torture and 
it's just something that's not been explored. We never saw what how the Emperor trained Darth Maul. We never saw how. Well, yeah, I suppose um, when we it saw... came to when it came to uh, Maul, we kind of saw that. Hmm. Um, but that but um that was in the that was in the Clone Wars during when they introduced the Night Sisters. Yeah. Um. Because we because even though even though it didn't show Maul himself, what it did show is his uh, is his race and how it and how they operate, as well as his brothers as well as his brother Savage. And then later and then later on we saw the end point of that with Rebels where you have Maul, where you which really showed Maul at his at his absolute best. Because yeah. you have him go you have him going between between half madman and 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 guy who just want who just wants the end. Sometimes in the span of a single scene. Hmm. Also voiced by Sam Witt, where the guy that played Starkiller in the Four Unleashed games. Mm -hmm. And the other and the other thing to the other. Th the other thing that I know I've I know I've brought this up again, but I have to keep. But I feel like I have to keep bringing this up. It is it is astonishing that um, that the art that the RPG and the tabletop end of things is the only people who seem to get Star Wars that have any really op real option to. Mm -hmm. Um. Although, although if you have the old Jedi Academy, there is the there is the option of playing movie battles too. Which is where we got the legendary video series called "How to Lightsaber." <laughs> it's <laughs> playing a Jedi in that it, movie battles two is basically a mult is basically a multiplayer mod Tolkien version mod of Je of a Jedi Academy, and it introduces its own class and upgrade systems. And one of the interesting things it does is that with the lightsaber, it is a one hit kill. If you can hit, hmm. and somebody somebody playing a Jedi is not is not going to have an instant advan instant advantage because all the force powers cost cost a pool that doesn't regenerate quickly. So, so other players who are just using guns who know what they're doing can still take you out. Hmm. Yeah. So, so let me. Of course, guess. that of course that goes both ways. Yeah. So let me guess. Uh, you. If you want to play a Jedi, you got you have to sort of like level up for like like three freaking like like two freaking weeks. And then... No, no, it's nothing like that. Move, with movie battles too, you pick your class and you pick your class on the map in advance, a la Battlefield. Ah. Um. Speaking of which, I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit of fail that they already tried the virtue signal shit with Battlefield 5's um trailer. Uh. That's why I keep saying EA's conference this is going to be such a goddamn dumpster fire. The only way they're going to save it is if there's a public guillotine execution of Bioware devs. Oh, um, I, I do have to say, the year that I was at E3, EA's, EA's booth there was the most obnoxious, even compared to some of the other larger studios, because they had, the, they had this... They had some really... Not in terms of just the color setup, which is fun, which is funny because I haven't scanned it, but there is a photo of me on on when they were hyping up a battlefront riding a speeder bike on what would have on a set that would look like Hoth. 
Maybe I'll scan and, sh and share that picture one day. <laughs> but the, the sound, the booming amount of sound that came from their shit was so loud I could hear it from where I was eating. Yeah, so, ba so ba yeah, it, it probably got to a point where it's like someone downstairs has just grabbed the broom and go, pop, 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 keep it down up there, will ya? <laughs> I mean, like, my, I did a video on the Battlefield 5 thing, and I can't believe how quickly it blew up, about 143 views. But this guy made a comment. Because I addressed, like, all of these articles in the video, and, like, IGN did a, like, oh, here's top 20 unrealistic things that Battlefield has done and one and one realistic thing. And it was basically just naming gameplay mechanics because because they're gameplay mechanics, not... They're not, uh, you know, unrealistic. Let, let me see. So they're trying out. to excuse themselves for, with their virtue signaling. Says, yeah. This is why This is why it's okay to virtue signaling in Battlefield 5. Yeah. Well, for, well, first off, one, they're already starting. They're already starting to before it even came out. They were already starting to pitch that they were going back to their World War II roots, which mm. I kind I kind of figured that was going to happen because of how because of how well that worked out for Call of Duty. Even though World War II was a ma was um fucking stupid. Like if you mm. if you like if you I'd. I'd say if if somebody wants a decent a decent um, World War Two shooter from that's come that's come out recently, or just or just that sort of shooter, just go just go with Red Orchestra. You'll mm. feel mu you'll feel much less guilty. Yeah. And or, the thing about the thing about World War Two shooters is, I think I still think even though they're going back to the well, I still think it's one of the most overdone tropes tropes and shooters. Hmm. Why can't they go to another era like a uh, fucking Vietnam or fucking? Uh... They tried. They tried that a few. They tried that a generation ago, and one it did. One it didn't sell, and two it caused a bit of a controversy. Uh oh, I think the reason. It's also the reason why you don't see men. You don't see many World War One games simply because of the fact that there's a there's a bit more baggage. Um, with something like World War Two, there's significantly less baggage. Although I will. I will outright I will outright admit that what that um I think there's some decent stories that can be told but I think it I think it's very telling that the uh, that World War II has been much much kinder to strategy games than to shooters. Yeah. Cuz Heart, well, Hearts, really Hearts of Iron Hearts of Iron is still going um there's still there's still the fact that um I can Still, I can still get a decent game going when it comes to the uh, Company of Heroes games, mm -hmm. and com and the original Company of Heroes I consider one of the best strategy games ever made, and certainly the uh, best game that Relic made, and that which is saying something because now they're now they're gonna fuck up Age of Empires four with because they have Relic does not do traditional strategy games. Age of Empires is a traditional strategy game. This is not going to end well. Yeah, this is going to be one hell of a crapshoot from the, from the looks of it. But I mean, in the article, like it, it said, oh, here, here's some examples of women that did so. Because it was claiming that, oh, EA and DICE said, oh, we're wanting to tell other stories of brave people whose stories haven't been told yet. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I know. Right? In yeah. in the article, it said about it named here some women that have served in World War Two, and it said it, 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 it named it named 
two two or three Russian Soviet snipers and oh, one yeah. one French resistance and one Norwegian uh, resistance fighter. Yeah, they they're not frontline. They're not army. You know, they're not soldiers they're not of, a, of a country's army, are they? They're not a, they're not soldiers from that army. They're just yeah. resistance fighters. Yeah, I was laughing my I was laughing my ass off. He's like, "What are you gonna do? Tell the story of some 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 lady that's building tanks in fucking Detroit, or talk, <laughs> or, talk or talk about some some USO sweetheart, sir, entertaining the troops over in fucking Midway?" Yeah, exactly. Like I would want I would want to play a World War Two game in which you play as one of these female Soviet snipers that racked up, you know, several hundred. Uh, several hundred kills. Yeah, give give something like that to the sniper elite team, and you've and you've yeah. possibly got something there. I would I would love to play and and hear about this woman. And story. even though it isn't world, even though it isn't World War II, I would I would pay good money to see to see a game that that either talked about or mentioned the uh, White Death. Hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard if you've heard of him. He was a uh, he was an infamous sniper during the during the uh, war between Finland and Russia, hmm. and he, there, and um, it was to it was to the point where they would try and send in entire battalions just to take him out and couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, he basically so basically he's sort of like the Finnish Rambo, huh? Hmm. So I mean, I've got no problem with women being, but it has to be historically accurate. Like you can't have in the trailer showing a British woman. Um, um the term, on the, the term, term that I, the term that I'm. Get, that I'm going to be using when it comes to this sort of thing is is um believability. Yeah. I've all I've said I've said for years that I prefer I prefer uh, believability over realism. Mm. And the the thing is is that is the reason why you have to go to these lengths to have that believability mm. is you have to respect that you what you're uh, dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Now if you if you want to if you want to say oh we're doing it's perfectly fine. It's the reason why nobody. Bet it's the reason why only the um, only only the biggest of assholes batted an eye when you had history alteration with Inglorious Bastards. Exactly, I was just about to say tonally of the Battlefield Five trailer, it felt like it was a steampunk fantasy game, and I would have been fine with a with an alternative history steampunk fantasy game. Hell, we're get hell, we're get. I'm gonna be. Um, we're probably gonna be getting that next year with um, with uh, Iron Harvest. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, so that's what—that's the thing about Battlefield Five's trailer was tonally as well. It yeah. felt like. Be gone, Emil. Just sorry, I interrupted you. But yeah, here's the here's the deal, man. Okay, if you want, here's the thing: if you want to put freaking transsexuals or women, women or gay guys in there, here's the here's the key thing that these idiots don't even remember. It's got to make perfect sense. You can't just mm. just shoehorn it and say. Oh, it, he's just there because he's gay. Except me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, now if if it fit if it fits the style and scope, it's like it's like Kingdom Come Deliverance. They're saying, well, why aren't there no per people of color in that game? Well, it's Czech. It's it's a uh, it's the freaking it's Central Europe in the freaking late Middle Ages. You dolt. The only. Hmm. And I, I know some. I know some people have brought. I know some people have brought up that there were Muslims in like in like Milan or something. Except one that's closer to the coast, and two, cent two Central Europe is not this is not the same thing as coastal Europe. Yeah, 
But uh, yeah, yeah, you were gonna say you were gonna say about Inglorious uh, Inglorious Bastards, weren't you? Mildred? With Inglorious Bastards, Tarantino outright said that what he wanted to do was um, was take was take World War Two and use and use a and use storytelling techniques that you would see in a kind of old West setup. Hmm. Because he's had because he's had a fascination with the with with that kind of stuff for the longest time. And in the and in that context, a lot a lot of a lot of stuff re- really works. Even though he also had that subtext of the of um, the love for um, film, which certainly makes sense given the fact that it's taking place in in uh, France. And not not to mention, if you want to do the whole this this some chick who was who was working behind working behind lines or with the resistance force. You already have a good. You already have a good backdrop because anybody remember the saboteur? Even though that was, even though that had a, uh, I, that had yes. an Irish guy working in France. I'm, I'm in the middle of playing that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool game, cool concept. Yeah. So there, there's, there's a, uh, there's some, there's something there. But to be honest, this, to be honest, I think that the reason why they're trying to, they're trying to do this is a. Uh, Distraction because of the, because of the fact that it's that they are get that they are that the uh, sharks are swimming around them really hard over the loot box thing. Yeah, yeah, the jaws team's playing pretty hard, hard. And, and like I said, the only good thing that's happened to them in the past year was a way out, and that's because the guy that held that thing was actually pretty. It's actually a pretty decent uh, craftsman, you know, Joseph oh. Ferris. Didn't he also do Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons? That game. I don't know. No, I I'll don't... have to. I'll have to look that up later. But um, it's a really cool story. I think. I think he. I think he established his his mindset when he had that um, incident at the Game Awards that year. Oh, I <laughs> loved it. I, I loved Fuck the Oscars. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck the Oscars. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, I, I, I think I mean, the one I that was it. he. Um, and Aaron, maybe you'll maybe you'll be able to back me up on this, but do you think he was? Do you think he was digging in the same bag? That, do you think he uh, grabbed Iron Sheik's bag before he stepped on stage? I think he was. I think he was really inebriated. But the fact that he upstaged Jeff Keeley was just amazing. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Keeley wanted just okay, let's move on, let's move on. But he, Joseph kept going and going and going. It, it it was it was great that he he basically put that little fucking weasel in his place. <laughs> yeah, as, as, but I I looked at I looked at that thing. All, all I can think of is just uh, is just what happens when you spend five minutes with iron with the Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah, but zero fucks given. I mean, yeah. he went zero fucks given, and you know what? He it's it's turned out it's turned out great for him. These days, if you go out there like that, believe me, you're pretty much ninety five percent guaranteed you're gonna. You're gonna come out on top with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at other game developers that haven't backed down from pressing or pressure pre- uh, at all. Probably, jeez, pressure or bullying from the you know the typical SJWs and such. Yeah. You've Daniel Vavra from Kingdom Come from Warhol Studios. Get, from, from, well, uh, I think he's getting his vindication because one, oh, yeah. his 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 face is on the picture of is on the cover of some uh, mag of some uh, gaming mag gaming magazines in his home country, and two. Yeah, his game is being used to teach history in in some in some universities in that area. Yeah, and then you've also got Tim Surrett, who um, he's working on uh, the last the last night. Yeah, that sort of yeah, two point five D sort of pixel art cyberpunk what's, game. 
what what provides an interesting contrast with that is that there was a um there was a game called there was a game that was heavily virtue signaled that was in this in a similar I guess motif I'll say called mm-hmm. where the water flows like wine and it fucking sounds like tanked. A, oh sounds like a fucking walking simulator dude. oh it was it was heavily pushed by the progressive game stream media right <laughs> and and, uh, and it had like top people like Sting was billed in the game as well unfortunately not not that's not that sting so um so calm your so calm yourself yeah, i know i know not that sting but it, oh. anyway i wonder if i don't i recall that title was it one of those uh one of those that are nominated the game awards for like best some sort of a stupid category that act that a that horizon zero Dawn won in i thought zero didn't win any it won zero. It won a couple, actually. I think it won a couple or something because uh, or, or am I thinking of a different game or something like that? But uh, but but they won a couple. I think one for like uh, best impact. That's what it's called, best impact, and the other one for like best uh, voice actor or some shit like that. Yeah. Which the voice actor I could I could kind of see to an ex- to an extent, but um, what it but it's just it but that game's just in a, in a long list of games that's basically telling. <laughs> That's telling, um, that's telling Blake. Yeah, you don't know shit. Is keep keep in mind, he's the one that said people don't want single player games, and every ever since he's got to be kicking himself over saying that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, you've been hearing the rumors about Fallout seventy six. I I have been I have been hope. Okay, for, first off, let, let me just let me just say that um, I. I have never i I have never had a kind word to say about uh, to say about Todd. Oh, the hot! Oh, Todd the Hobbit! God damn! Someone needs to so, someone. The original guys that did Daggerfall, they need to come out of their. They need to come out of hiding and kick and kick that little Hobbit back to the goddamn Shire. He's starting to get very annoying. <laughs> to, well, um. Well, there's there's also the fact that I find but I find the uh, game I find the game design. This, um, I, concepts that are present in the Elder Scrolls and the recent Fallout games to be too remarkably casualized. condescending. Yeah, it's too not, casualized. Not casualized. Ca- not, can- not casualized. Condescending. Oh, so you're thinking it's even worse because, like, oh, we know you can't, you can't play this game. You can't, you can't beat this. You really can't pick, create a dungeon that you can't get out of. So we're just gonna hold you by the hand the whole time. Luckily, <laughs> well, the only thing uh, is saving well, first it right off, now. There's, well, first off, there's the fact that the cre- the creation engine is hanging on by fishing line. Yeah, it's it's outdated as a motherfucker. How old is it? Like twenty years old? It it they it's not it's not that old, but um, it was it was desi- it was designed for last generation. Yeah, it made. I'm I'm. I'm trying to remember if they used Gamebryo or create. No, they used Creation for the uh, for last generation, and this current generation, it is just not suited for it. Oh my well, you know something's up when, unironically, my favorite thing to do in any Fallout or Elder Scrolls game is intentionally try to find glitches or break the game. Well, they they've tried yeah. they've tried in it that the glitch that the reason that they intentionally leave some glitches in to add to the charm. Which I don't buy for one second. I've, oh, it's, I've, I put that in the same lazy. level as um, when as when Cinema Sin says, 
Yeah, we, we make some intent we make some intentional mistakes for comedy. Like, no, you fucking Bullshit. don't. You got it wrong. I'll tell you I'll tell you why I left it in because because they're very lazy. They don't have that um they don't have that ethic that that most game designers should be having right now. And yeah. I, I, that's another big criticism I have of Todd, Todd Howard. The guy is fucking lazy. I'm gonna have to shoot off Mildred, I'm afraid. It's about uh, um, it's about half two a.m. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those cases of damn time zones, and unfortunately, <laughs> I um, I have I have no. I I I just moved. I have no desire to move to the UK again to to alleviate this sort of thing. Plus, um, <laughs> plus, um, I'd probably I probably get I probably get a I probably get a I probably get arrested because I because I'm eating something with a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all sharp objects are now banned. <laughs> anyway, you have I'll... a license for that sandwich. <laughs> anyway, oh, do you have a sandwich license? <laughs> Anyway, I'll catch you guys later. It's nice meeting you, Aaron. Uh, same here. Likewise, man. Yeah. All right. Hope, 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 to see, hope to see Blatmeister. Hope to see you again when we do this next week. Yeah, definitely, man. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Um, Take it easy, Doku. Yep. Have a good evening, man. Yeah. Yep. See you later, my uh, Bildra. Yep. Bildra, the motherfucking book. <laughs> <laughs> and to everyone watching, everyone watching as well, thank you uh, for having me. All right. Take it easy. Take care, man. All right. See Take care, dude. Um, but as, as far as, as far as 76, it's just, I can't, I can't figure out what to say because this, because every time I think I've got something nailed down on the matter, the story keeps changing. Um, yeah, and you know how Jason Schreier is, is quote unquote reliable. I, I'm taking that with a grain of salt, but what I think is has, is there... has come out with good, with good leaks in the past. But um, I do I do have to wonder if he got it if if this if he got it from this if he got it from the same leak that supposedly that supposedly claimed that George Kamitani said he was gay. <laughs> well, here's here's what I think what's going on. I think there will be an online component, but I think it's gonna be more of a co-op. Not I hope to God they don't go PvP. If they go PvP, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hunting some hobbits. Oh god, I don't want to imagine a Fallout PvP. Not just no. That no, no, no. That idea makes no. my brain. Hurt. I do. I do remember here. I do remember hearing stories about a Fallout Online that went into development hell at one point. Um, but the but the problem now the idea of them of them implementing um survi survival game esque aspects that's not too surprising because there's always been there's always been a survival mod or a survival mode. In previous Fallout's, well, and like Fallout New Vegas with the realism mode, where you had the freaking uh, the oh, water that, bottle and shit, and you had oh, to that eat was them awesome. I, I loved playing that, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, there's there's certainly that. So I'm not, but um, <clears throat> one thing that does concern me is if they make is if they make the entire is if they make a large amount of it around base building, because that because that was. In my personal opinion, the worst thing about Fallout Four, to the point where I don't think I've—I think the only you are in very bad territory when I am when I am conjuring up images of Otis from Dead Rising. Well, you know, I, I gotta disagree with you here. I actually enjoyed the base building. Maybe it's because I—I like—I usually you because with mods, it ain't nearly it—it it ain't as bad. That's a bandage. 
Yeah, so is. here here's here's the reason the reason why is because I'm pretty sure you hated hearing how a settlement needs your help. Oh god. That, that is really annoying. I will admit I loved building bases, but I don't like protecting them. For those yeah. who have for those who have not played the original Dead Rising, Otis was a guy who would occasionally inform Hey, you sorry to interrupt, but uh nature calls. Give me a couple minutes, okay? You got five seconds. <laughs> Yes, I know. I did. I just. I didn't want to get out too much information, but I'll be back in a bit. Okay. All right. Um. If for those for those watching who are not for who are not aware, Otis was a supporting character in Dead Rising, who would occasionally tell you that there's survivors in certain spots. Except when you answered his walkie on the matter, one you were walking very very slowly. Two, you couldn't use your weapon. And three, he would tend to he could drone on a bit, even while zombies are attacking you. And if a zombie ends up hitting you, the call breaks, and he calls again and chastises you. There were multiple, and I don't think I'm alone in the fact that I had very much considered, you know, this I could take this chainsaw and, and saw him in half. Unfortunately, since he's an NPC, I can't. But it's one of those things like. You are really pissing me off right now. I'll admit, I could not play Dead Rising after the first time I got killed because of one of those stupid fucking walkie-talkie calls. Yeah, so you know, so you know my pain. Yeah, I was and like, I can't, that, I can't fucking do this. I'll play Left 4 Dead instead. Screw it. And hearing that, hearing that whole, hearing that whole, another settlement needs your help just gave me flashbacks to that. It's one of the two. It's. It's it's one of the few things in gaming that can that can cause a bit that can cause a minor bit of triggering. The other is the jackal snipers. Oh god, yeah, that's in Halo 2. Yep. Yeah, those If you're not playing legendary, they're fine, but as but as soon as you go into that difficulty, you can barely yeah, see one them and they kills. kill you in one shot. Yeah, one hit kills and half the time you can barely fucking see them. Yeah, it just yeah. Halo at least two, in three, have... at least in three, they give them they give them these obnoxiously bright um, headgear. Oh yeah, the bright purple uh, spotting helmets, the fucking purple light. Mm -hmm. Which some yeah. people may say is a bit unrealistic for a sniper to have that, but on the other hand, it, it's gameplay appropriate. Yeah, I mean it's something I'm willing to look past because it made it less obnoxious. Mm -hmm. I mean I have a very strong love hate relationship with Halo Two. I um as some I I honestly it's one of those Halo 2 is one of those cases where I felt sorry for Bungie. Yeah, simply, I mean simply I like the fact that they expand on the plot and kind of the universe and they like flush it out a little bit more. But as far as the game itself goes, you know, exposition aside, there's a lot to be desired. Well, even they've they've been they were very critical about it after after the fact and like the scarab thing they outright buried. And he's back. As my car as my chiropractor often often says, glad to see you're back. And um, <laughs> all right, just so I can get this out of the way, um, nobody better go in that bathroom for the next 35, 45 minutes. Somebody open a window. All right, back man. Oh screw! Oh screw you! Friday is one of my favorite movies. 
Okay, who's do this Friday? I no, no it's this. just that no, it's just that I got I felt like I got sandbagged when I when I ref, when I made that reference after you got out. I said, "No, oh, baby, I go in that bathroom for the next 35, 45 minutes." <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I got the yeah, got got the air fresher and everything. <laughs> All right, so what did I miss? Um, a bit of just explaining about about Otis and. And and why um why hearing the another settlement thing in Fallout Four tri almost triggered me. Oh yeah, I and yeah, I, I yeah that's one of the annoying things. I wonder if there's like a mod to sort of like moderate that mess. You mean? I think I think there is, but it's it's the principle. Yeah, I mean it's I like I like the only thing is like um it's okay if you just go in there to build a new settlement. That's about it. I mean you've got like. You got laser cannons. You got freaking got armed guys. And if you have like a few mods, you got like Minutemen there protecting it. It's like freaking Fort Knox, and all of a sudden, Preston's saying, "Uh, that someone still needs your help." I was like, "What? You can just no. march in there and go, go, go sack whatever that that mess is coming from." Oh, speaking of fucking settlement building, never, never make the mistake that I made, where if you uh build a bunch of artillery cannons and have fucking settlers uh. Manning them, don't don't fight anything outside of the region of your settlement because you'll get blown the fuck up. Oh, you mean this, it? Is, this is why I do not believe in the concept of friendly fire. And so we're just trying to we're just trying to help you with that bandit using a fucking thirty millimeter freaking mortar. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Again, friendly fire is an oxymoron. Yeah, there's nothing friendly about it. <laughs> It's just but called then, making a stupid again, mistake. And again, those are the same kind of people who forget that who forget one of the age-old rules: the claymore is supposed to be pointed away from you. <laughs> yeah, this side forward. In fact, in, in fact, I just, in fact, if I if I recall correctly, most claymores will outright say that. Yeah, they, they even yeah, say they another do. thing. It's like they, place they it away. Literally. Place it facing away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they literally say that on the fucking front toward enemy. Yeah, front yeah. towards enemy. Yeah, but that's that's part that's one of the that's part of the ten rules of combat that they don't teach you. Um, but as far as the reason why I'm a bit concerned regarding um regard regarding Fallout seventy six, and this is the reason why the the multiplayer aspect and that kind of stuff um concerns me is. The notion, if they end up going full, sur full um, survival as the main thing for it, that is a sign that they are chasing trends. Uh oh, yeah. That's yeah, why, that's, that's why the away. initial that's why the initial leak had me on edge. I thought, oh, oh god, they're they're again, because whenever you, um, whenever you end up doing that, you're not you're not considering. Okay, how can we integrate this into what's been established when it comes to Fallout? Honestly, the only thing that I'm really curious about when it comes to uh, Fallout 76 is I'm guessing from the trailer, since they're playing Country Roads, it's set in West Virginia. And I went to WVU for a semester. I'm really curious to see how they're going to do West Virginia in a post-Fallout-style universe. I don't know how... Yeah, it's it's not, from what I was hearing, it sounded like they were going to have it take place in Philly. Nah, that would make no sense to play country roads in the trailer, then, though. Yeah, like, really. It's like, 
the thing about the thing is, if they, if they said in West Virginia, it's like, I don't think, I think that the place won't be as bombed out because what's in West Virginia? Coal mines. That's about it. Coal mines, mountains, and trees. That's about it. Well, in that, case, in that case, that would be all the more reason to put it in West Virginia because he loves that shit. So he can say, see that coal mine? You can walk in that. <laughs> well, that's the thing you have. With West Virginia, you have the capital, Charlestown. You have Charlestown, a different spelling, where there's a fucking casino. And you have Morgantown, where West Virginia University is. And then there's Kaiser, where there's a fucking paper factory. And everything else is just fucking rural bullshit. And I'm, I get if the paper factory is, is anything like the one I was a, little, was a little too close to at one point, the smell... Oh my god, it reeks. Oh yeah. You can smell the shit for fucking miles. Oh my god. It's a terrible smell. Oh yeah. Anyone who has it, I fucking envy you. Yeah, the connection's a little off. Yeah, he yeah, he's yeah, you're one thing I'm really curious. Oh sorry. My robot is silencing a bit. Alright, how about now? Yeah, that was yeah, bad. Yeah, you you're sounding better. All right, let me see if I can fucking fix this thing. Yeah, technology hates you. <laughs> it really does. So, but but like I said, you know, I th I think it's a good, it's sort of a pretty decent idea because if you're playing, if you're playing in West Virginia, that think about it, it's probably like not a low priority target for any chi Chinese or Russians to bomb. So it'll probably be. For the most part, mm -hmm. spared the nuclear problems, but of course you'll have all the environmental problems that that sort of happen because this is from because if you think that if the if you think about the, uh, the Shenandoah River or something like that, uh, is its flows, you're probably going to get a, some a few ticks of radiation here and there. Well, well the other certainly thing, having been in, having been in West Virginia, if they don't utilize this, I'm going to be really pissed off. But I would like to see some. Mutant fucking bats for once. Mutant bats, huh? <laughs> There's a shit ton of bats in West Virginia. Oh. Apparently, so, apparently there's things. also apparently there's also a bit of a there's been a bit of a bat problem up in up in Minnesota recently. Really? Oh. Which which sounds a bit strange, but I do remember working in a grocery store and a bat showed up. Yeah. Oh, you know what could you know what could could they could put in 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 this in this game that would that would probably that would be pretty much one of the best better known West Virginia lores, the Flatwoods monster. Oh, oh shit! I would be very curious to see. Hopefully, if it is set in West Virginia, I want to see what they do with Point Pleasant because if they don't do a Mothman Easter egg, I'm going to be pissed. Oh my god! Yeah, the, the, I'm not. I'm not slack. I'm, not slagging Fallout 76, but at this point, I am cautiously optimistic. Very cautious because I um, do not trust. Um, but I I have a very um, low trust trust factor when it comes to Bethesda. I tolerate them at at bet at best because, well, I probably be putting them more on blast if Prey didn't come if Prey didn't come out last year. Yeah. Now here's the thing. It, the, let's just put it. This is this is why I'm a little. This is what what draws up my concern with Fallout 76. Fallout Miami 
and Fallout Cascadia, two DLC-sized mods. I'm I'm looking forward to those a bit more than Fallout 76. Now, hopefully, they might come up with some really really good for, for that. And I said, you know what? I'll probably I'll probably pick it up. But it's starting to look like at at this stage, it's more like wait for wait for the next Steam sale at this point. Yeah, I the thing with Fallout and uh, Elder Scrolls, I love the franchises, but I hate the fucking developer. Yeah. Well, for well for me, oh, I've seen a lot of people get on the hate train when it comes to when it comes to the when it comes to the Elder Scrolls. I've been on I've been on that hate train for about a decade, mm. mostly because after all this time, they still can't fix their goddamn melee combat. It's still shit. And I do. I will not allow. I will not allow anybody to go with the argument of, oh, well, you can't do. You can't do first person comp. You can't do decent first person combat. Guess they never played Kingdom um, with Come Ma- with Melee. King- play- Kingdom Come Breakdown Machin X. Hell, even even the Vermintide games do a better job. Hell, Dark Messiah, the greatest first person kicker. Honestly, when it comes to a. Uh... Melee combat. One of my favorite, as far as the fantasy genre goes, is still uh, Kingdoms of Amalar. I absolutely I love really Kingdoms fun. of Amalar, and I, I think it's a damn shame what and what ultimately ended up happening. Yeah, I'm I'm still bitter about that because I I fucking love that game. It's basically it's basically World of Warcraft. That's really the only decent okay. analogy I have yeah. for it. And the thing is, is that the guy, the guy, the guy who was a, was apparently a, a for, former pitcher before he decided to delve into this, he's got a long history of uh, stand of standing up for MMOs, which is why. And the fact that he was assembling this team together with, and the stuff that he was doing was why I was interested. But to me, Kingdoms of Amalur was basically the uh, was basically the was basically the better fable than fable. Yeah. That's a perf. It's basically Fable and fucking World of Warcraft had a baby, and that's what it was. Yeah, I might have to. I might have to look that one up because. And I think the th- the thing that re- that I enjoyed the most out of it was how it handled its classes, which Andromeda, which Mass Effect Andromeda tried to duplicate, but it, but but at the Failed same miserably. time doing the doing doing the stuff from Mass Effect Three at the same time, and it didn't work. Well, of course, the, it wasn't going to work. The, the most of the dev team was a bunch of ham and eggers that probably were diversity hires. And let me let me make this clear. Yes, I've beaten Mass Effect Andromeda. No, I did not pay for it. What happened was, I go, I come in, I come home from work. I check the mailbox and I see a note saying that you've got a package waiting for you at the office. I see. I pick the thing up and it's from that guy. And in and in, I open the thing up, just dreading as if as if I'm opening up my opening up the note from for whether or not I'm getting a stay of execution. And inside is a copy of Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> oh my! Merry God. fucking Christmas! This wasn't a Christmas gift. This wasn't even a birthday gift. This was a. This was just. Be, this was torture. A tortured device. Well, he he knew that I don't that I don't make a habit of th- of throwing out or returning stuff that's gifted to me. So he knew that I would that I would force myself to play it. So yeah, torture is an apt term in this case. I because can't say I can do. Well, like I said, I'll just put it this way: 
this is something you this is something you would you would uh, torture people in Gitmo with. But I power. But I powered through. But I I the sole reason I powered through it is be is because much much like much like Dream and Oli, I am not giving him the damn satisfaction. It will never be over, baby. <laughs> Actually, speaking of games, did any of you guys see uh, uh, that game Beware? I only found out about it because of uh, PewDiePie, but I'm very curious to see what becomes of that game. I first have, I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't delved too delved too much into that. Um, so, speaking of, do you know the premise? At least, uh, what's the beginning? Basically. Okay, it's a driving game, but it's a horror game. So you're basically in a car being chased by another car, and there's basically a bunch of like redneck hillbillies trying to kill you. So essentially, so, somebody took Steven Spielberg's first film and turned it into a video game. It turned oh, it's Duel the Game. I mean, it's it's a very interesting concept. Um, it's I, will, I think it's I, in beta. Right now, it's like I'll an probably, early. I'll probably, I'll probably keep an eye out. I probably won't. Um, I probably won't put down money on it yet, because you know how cautious I am when it comes to this sort of thing. Um. Also, since since uh, Kyoryu brought it up, even though he brought it up a while ago, I suppose it should bring it, make bring this up. Um. The idea of Capcom doing a new doing a new Mega Man game, I do have to wonder if they did it simply out of how. How embarrassing Mighty Number no. Nine was! Oh yeah, they probably they probably want to they probably want to sort of restore uh, it, what, the damage that that those those idiots over at Comcept did. Which um, I think it, I think it's very telling that after that and Yaiba, I have not heard hide nor hair from Comcept. I don't yeah, even they- I don't even know if they're still in op- if there's still in operation or if they've been reduced to somebody's helper studio. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet you Inafune's probably gone to self ex- self imposed exile. Or hell, I wouldn't be surprised if he's ghostwriting Mega Man Eleven. Um, as far as the as far as the ghostwriting thing, I don't I don't see that as a, as a likelihood. What I do see, what I what I would not be surprised is if um is if they if they decided to do if they decided to get back together with Into Creates because. For as bad as com for as bad as concept is, Into Creates is not a bad studio. I'd say Mighty Number no. Nine is the one black mark on their on their otherwise flawless record because this is they're the same studio that handled the Mega Man Zero games, which are good but fucking hard. Although they also had possibly the best villain in the Mega Man's in the whole Mega Man franchise with Doctor Wile. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I said it. I put Wile on a higher pedestal over over Wily or Sigma because Wile is the is the embodiment of the hate line from "I have no mouth and I must scream." That is that is the level of fucked up that he is, and and they all they also did its successor Mega Mega Man ZX and most recent and the last thing that they did on their own was um if anyone remembers Azure Striker Gunvolt. Which certainly had aspects of a Mega Man style game, but comparing the two is not entirely a fair assessment. Yeah, and honestly, I'm just waiting for another Darkstalkers game. Yeah, I'm not. You I'm might not... have to keep. You might have to keep waiting on on that front. Although, 
I do. I I suspect that the runaway success that Monster Hunter World became is making Capcom rethink their strategies instead of because they might be getting on the on the notion that this fascination and obsession with um with trying to be Western, which is what they were trying to do under a large chunk of Inafune's run, that might start to run its course. I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame Japan fan for banding ship on that one because it's because West because Western uh, entertainment, especially most game 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 develop development, it's turned into a fucking shit show thanks to well, the fucking soy soy syndicate. Well, keep, well, something to keep in mind is that the, is that is that the drive for trying to be more Western goes all the goes all the way back to the goes back to the early days of the 360. Yeah. Um, it was something that Inafune had pushed very, very hard for. And um, this was something that was also covered in Derek Alexander's past mortem on Mighty Number no. Nine, where he, where uh, he, where, where his, where his group Stop Skeletons had taken a look at Inafune's career himself, and the fact, the fact that the that um the and I can understand at first because the Xbox 360 was proving very viable for a global market. And Capcom, along with a lot of other companies, thought that they needed to make that sort of Western appeal in order to reach a global market. It's also, it's, it was at the reason for a lot of the changes that happened with DMC, but I'm not opening that can of worms um, right now. Yeah, let's just... I would say that their whole campaign has completely backfired, and now they've been in the dog cows quite a few times because of it. Yeah. And I and also and because of that they ended up relying way too much on stuff on stuff like Street Fighter and now but with the fact that Monster Hunter World broke a mil, broke a million shipping and is still doing still doing fairly well as well as the fact that that being a being a PS4 exclusive has certainly helped them tremendously and adding to the list of even though it's not, Okay, if you want, if you want to win, if you want to wring my hands about it, yeah, it's an, it, yeah, it's a timed exclusive because the yeah, Steam version is com- is still coming. But still, the fact that it managed that Monster Hunter World, which the Monster Hunter series has always been one that's struggled to do well, do well within um, the West, it does it does gangbusters in Japan, but not any, but not anywhere else. It's sort of like Dragon the Dragon Quest series. Yeah, and even Dragon Quest is is has gained a has gained at least a little bit of a following, but nowhere near the worship that it that it's had beforehand. And I do, yeah, it's, I do, yeah, it's like that being to its lateness. Yeah, I think what happened. The thing is, Dragon Quest in Japan, that's like whenever whenever the release date is basically their goddamn national holiday. Well, I can't. It it may as well have been at one point because there were a few times where they where they said it, where they had it set that there's just not going to be school that day because everybody's get everybody's going to be in line to to pick out Dragon Quest. So what's the so what's the point? Yeah, just make just make it a de facto national holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, similar thing happens with with uh, Monster Hunter the, these days, but the thing but the thing is. This, if this, I'm not now. I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump into jump into it just jump just yet because I think that's a little premature. But I do feel that 
a release of a Mega Man is them slowly trying to undo the the Western chase. It's going to take some time, but I think the success of Monster Hunter World and the announcement of a Mega Man 11 is them tr is them uh, making steps towards that. So they think Capcom has decided it's time to just go back to our roots. I don't like God, using I the okay. I don't like using the term "go back." As somebody who's been as somebody who's a Resident Evil fan, I've heard that so many goddamn times. But with Red, yeah. with how successful Resident Evil Seven was, with how well, with how well Monster Hunter World has been doing, and the and the like, I think it I think it is sending that message. I'd like to yeah. hope that it's sending that message. Yeah, like I said, I think most Japan. I think what happened is I think the impetus is Nintendo because they they decided to say you know what screw trying to chase the West. Let them come to us, just like they did back in the '80s, and now it's become successful because of that. So once again, because so once again, every other third-party developer in Japan, I wish Square Enix would follow that trend. God, they're all, they're all going. Hope. They're all they're all rushing back to what what worked, and now they're the Japanese, just like in the '80s, has to bail out the video gaming industry yet again. Well, I know as Mildred. As, as, it's about me. Um, as far as, as, far as goes, that's... oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mildred. That's the. Um, it's interesting that you bring bring that up, considering how considering how. Um, I I I um for the longest time I had pe I had pegged that the city arcade would not even reach the West, simply simply because it was built for arcades first and then later ported on the consoles. Yeah. But the city NT is actually pretty good, and I will give them their credit for what they did to revitalize um, um, fourteen to to the point where that's that's become their that's become one of their bigger cash cows. And fifteen fifteen was fifteen did did pretty well for themselves. Oh, I liked fifteen. Don't get me wrong, but here's the thing: I just would it the game felt. Incomplete, and I still think, despite the updates, it, it still feels incomplete. Because have you ever? Seen I don't that? want. I don't want to go down that route because every time, every time I go, every time I go down that route, I'm I end up being reminded of how in of how incomplete of how incomplete my first edition of Call of Cthulhu was. Oh, about fifteen years ago. Yeah, but the, the reason I say that though is um. Any of you ever seen the uh, the footage where they had a they had they had a they had a whole second half planned out? You had you you went into like Tenebrae, you went to Niflheim. There's like a couple other good. There's like a huge big spot where it's like it had because when you're Lucius, you have a chock full of content like the whole road trip. They were going to repeat that in the second half, but apparently it's like it's I think a, it's a I think huge it's the case of. I think it's I think it's a case of just the constant amount of tumult going from it being part of the it being part of the Fabula Nova project to what it ended up to what it ended up becoming, and that's yeah. why I I put it in the same even though there hasn't been detail when it comes to post mortem the way I'd want there to be, I put it in the same category as as Halo Two or Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, Metal Gear Solid Five. That's a that's a big example of it because i i i basically said the same thing about about final fantasy 15 comparing it to, to five but the only exception is they're actually tomorrow's actually working on on final fantasy 15 kojima's out doing his own own thing now yeah and 
We'll probably finally get some footage for Death Stranding and, and Cyberpunk 2077. Which, I wouldn't uh, hold my breath with, with the latter. The former, maybe in the next couple years, but 2077, I think I think it's hit vaporware status because CD Projekt Red, I've been hearing, there, there's been a lot of tumult there that, at that end. Well, we'll... Well, part of the reason why I, part of the reason why I'm having hopes for it is because the um, this project, when it comes to when it comes to it, is um, twofold. Because yes, there's that, but there's also the fact that it's done in collaboration with our Talzorian Games, who is releasing a new edition of the Cyberpunk RPG, t- also titled twenty, also titled uh, twenty seventy seven. Yeah, and um, I, I hope that game succeeds because. For the longest time, one of my one of my dreams that I know will never come true is I want to see an MMORPG set in the Blade Runner universe. That I that I don't think is I don't think is even possible. The closest that we got was the Matrix Online, and that was a dud because they handed development of that o- over to Monolith, who was not who I'll give them credit for trying, but they were completely out of their league. Because yeah, they're they were not Before the right that, studio. I played that no. game, and I'll admit I love it as a fanboy. But the game itself was just eh, it's boring. It's unplayable. Boring. It's unplayable. Well, and that's not to say Monolith is a bad studio. This is the same studio that that's done one of my favorite FPSs of all time, Fear. And oh, that's a good one. And there's also the fact that they're responsible for for the for the um, Shadow of Mordor games. I mean, yeah, yeah. There was the whole loot box thing that happened with Shadow of War, but other than other than that, the game, if but loot boxes aside, the game still had the game still retained its quality. Um. But, uh, but the but the pro- the problem is is that the, is that they were it just because just because the studio was good at one kind of game, but does not mean that they're going to be good at any kind of game. It's also the same re it's also it's in the same vein as as being a good actor doesn't mean you can do any doesn't mean you can do every role. Um not to get not to get off not to get off on it, but that was the reason why why when that leak when the Sony leaks happened and the notion of Idris Elba being James Bond was brought up, I said that is a terrible idea because Elba can't do Elba can't do that kind of swagger. Yeah, I like Idris Elba as an actor, but the problem here is the guy is he's become sort of the studio's diversity hire. I'm sorry, this guy's on and the problem is you're what they're they're even insulting him even more than do than do than going that route because he's because all you're doing is wasting talent into some other role that he could be awesome at. The th- the thing with Elba is that he is very he is very good at playing that stoic commanding presence. Like this is somebody this is why I actually defended his um his appearance as Heimdall in Thor. Yeah, I mean come because, on, the guy I mean the most most of those roles he's played, I mean like you could tell he there's always like there's always like snippets of stringer bell in him because I oh every time I see Idris up in anything is like I, I always think stringer. You know yeah. what I mean? But he's he's somebody who can communicate a lot without saying anything, and that that's where he that's where he's at his that's where he's at his best. Um, it's but um, 
reg but regardless, regardless, things are going to get interesting that when it comes when it comes to E3, and I very much look forward to the to the people who are going to decry it as say, as saying, oh oh, this E3 is the worst is the worst ever, even though um, although something that I'm I saw going in this. Something that I saw three yeah, I'm going years in ago. This one. Okay. Oh, you're going? Yeah, I'm. I'm going into E3 with very low expectations with this one because, aside from Kingdom Hearts three, I don't think nothing's going to come from Square Enix except for some Marvel shovelware. Um, EA, EA is going to be a freaking. It's going to be a complete shit show. Hopefully that. Hopefully they fix their fucking sound. Um. As far as far as Square, what I'm what I'm what I'm probably gonna the highlight is probably gonna be if Yoshi P shows up because he um he always has a way to make things interesting and he always ends up telegraphing what's gonna show up for fourteen like the uh, the year that I went there um that was when that was when um um Heaven Sword just came just came out for fourteen and he telegraphed what was gonna be in it by by showing up in a Batman shirt. Oh, <laughs> and what, and wouldn't you know it? One of the new classes that was that game, that expansion added three new classes. One of them was the Dark Knight. <laughs> and when Stormblood came out, he did this exact same thing because he he came out with a Scarlet Witch shirt. And one of the new classes in Stormblood was the Red Mage. Ah, I see what he did there. Mm -hmm. He's he's clever when it comes to that kind of. I, what could we really call it? Like meta marketing, or I'm not really sure yeah. how to quantify well, the, it. The thing is, is that he he cut his teeth on the early days of Ultima, so he's somebody who knows his way around when it comes to MMOs. That's why A Realm Reborn managed to be so successful. Um, but the the big booths are have never been what I've been interested in. Although there are a few things that I'm looking forward to see some more stuff in. One of them is Insomniac's take on Spider-Man. Oh boy! Well, that's that's just, well. As long as they 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 sort of stay with stay with the old how Activision because I think Spider-Man Two, in my opinion, is still the ultimate Spider-Man game because it's well, highly things. Yeah. One, they have they have made it clear that they're not trying that they're not trying to tie it into any movie. That's good. That's a good thing. Two, yeah, that's a very good thing. <laughs> two, they um, they outright stated that one of their goals was to try and was to try and do web slinging just as good as Spider Man Two, or surpass it if they could. So we actually have a studio that's actually going to try. Well, we're dealing with ins we're dealing with um, in well, it's being done by ins it's being done by Insomniac. Okay. They they know their way around when it comes to do when it comes to doing platforming properly. They've got they've got ex they've got experience because keep keep in mind this is the same stud the same studio who did who did Spyro back in the day and then and then later on did Sly Cooper, mm -hmm. and as and also um they had they had also handled res the uh, Resistance trilogy, yeah. which isn't a platformer but um they but they but they did they had but they managed to do very well for themselves on that front. There's also the game. Here's the here's the thing I find I find kind of funny. For years, 
Every, everybody is clamored at Ubisoft. Do an Assassin's Creed game set in Japan. That has been that has been the biggest request possible. Or or do something to make up for the fact that your Chin that your Chinese Assassin's Creed as part of Chronicles was a dis was just a disappointment. It, it was just it was just part of a 2D thing, which is an interesting concept, but Mark of the Ninja did it better. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where Sucker Punch has decided to step in and say, we will. And, and and thus Ghost of Tanegashima is born. Oh. Actually, you know, conceptually, uh, one of the games that I really would like to see perhaps a more competent studio and an updated version, or at least a little bit more of a versatile version, I want to see a version of Jade Empire. I, love I, that I will sec I will second I will second that whole wholeheartedly simply because one that sort of RPG we don't we don't have enough of and two, and two Jade Empire I've I've mentioned this before but Jade Empire is my favorite BioWare game period I love that game oh BioWare the whole uh, concept was great mm -hmm. I would love to see honestly if Square Enix could actually get its shit together and remember what it was and. Well, just as a quick aside, I'm starting to see kind of some hints of this, so I'm very, very cautiously hopeful. But I hope studios like Capcom and Square Enix remember that there's an entire generation of gamers who still play video games, who have plenty of disposable income, who grew up on things like Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX, Dead or Alive, the original Ninja Gaiden, uh, you know, Darkstalkers, Street what Fighter. I, what I don't, what I, get I can understand that. that, but what I don't want to happen is I don't want nostalgia to be turned into a farce. There's a reason why I've called nostalgia the sweet poison. Um, well, yeah, it's I don't want I don't want to see basically updated versions or ports of games that I already know and love because I already have them on fucking discs sitting over there in my fucking living room. I don't need well, that. The other, the other thing just, that I don't want to remember what I, made them good is, and what why they like them is a is 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 nostalgic bait like bravely default well and, and that's i don't want to like i said i don't want to see like an appeal to nostalgia more what i want to see is the studios remember why these games were loved and why people still talk about them today and kind of mm -hmm. get back to that although like, not since trying to you, imitate your competitors. Now, since you brought up, um, since you since you brought up that, since you brought up Jade Empire, I will I will make a I will make a few notes. Two, there are there is one game on Steam that might satisfy that kind of itch, even though it's a little, it's a semi traditional um, console style RPG. Um, have you ever heard of the? I've mentioned this before, but the Gate of Firmament. It's apparently part of a, a long-running series in China called Shuan Yuan Sword. Hmm. No, I'm not familiar, and, uh, familiar with that. Not familiar with that. Yeah. Um. This this was this was the first. The Gate of Firmament was the first game in that series to get released in English, and it's pretty. It's pretty decent. It can get a little cutscene heavy at times, but not too not too terribly. Um. The other, the another one that I could that would be a very easy that would be an easy recommend in that sort of style is Tale of Wuxia, the pre sequel. I would have recommended the original Tale of Wuxia as well, but the translation is kind of is kind of iffy. 
and it's one of those games that has a that has a time limit, a la the a la the time limit in the original Fallout before that got patched out. And uh, that's I a bit. I, cannot, I, I can understand their limits. purpose, but I but um I also understand that they're a bit of a hard sell. Um, but it's funny you bring that up because there was an article about a month ago on EN World that argued, do we still need Oriental Adventures? And I yes. wanted to try and I wanted to try and yes. read through this too because I need you to suffer I need you guys to suffer with me. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> but um so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through I'm gonna go through this and let and you guys let me know when you when you want to um step in. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, and I, sh I suppose I should also mention that although we're not getting anything televised for for a while, we are getting a new Judge Dread tabletop RPG. Hmm. Barrette. Interesting. Yep. And uh, they've, uh, they've issued a bit of previews, including including the uh, including the Judge careers, and there's multiple there's multiple careers because not e because not every judge is created equal. As well as as well as showing showing the uh, stats for the lawgiver. You know that concerns me because I didn't watch the video, but I saw the title, and a few days ago, I heard that uh, there was a very how do we say progressive Judge Dread comic book. Oh God! Yeah. Um, that makes me very, very concerned. I don't I, know. I haven't. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any. The uh, so, the soil alarm hasn't come. Hasn't come up just yet. So if that's if that's the case, I have. I have not seen it. I hope it stays true to what the original was, and they don't try to get political with it, and just give us Judge Dread. That just don't. Don't inject politics into it. Just give us something entertaining, please, to God. Because I, I could see that being really fun. If if it's not like some of the shit they've been pulling with like D&D &D and Magic the Gathering. Oh, God. And, and by the way, so, sorry to interrupt again, but um, I, um, when we get, when we, uh, later on, I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to go back into to that because there was a point that I didn't finish a while ago, but it ties into something that I want to want to talk about in in relation to. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just save I'll just save it for later, but I just want to put that out right right now. Right. Anyway, okay. Now yeah. I I did link you, I did link you guys the um the article in question is titled yeah, "We Still here. Need Oriental Adventures." I'm and, already I'm already smelling the soy. All right. It's written by by Talion, also known as Mike Tresca, who oh surprise surprise has a has a you can follow him on you can follow him at Patreon. Oh boy. Okay, there's a first red flag. Now I had covered this in a blog post in the monastery a, a couple months ago, but I felt it was I felt it was good I felt it would be a good revisit for the debut episode of the Monastery Live show. But anyway, it starts saying, Orientalism, a wide-ranging term originally used to encompass depictions of Middle Eastern, South Asian, and East Asian cultures, has gradually come to represent a more negative term. 
Should Dungeons & Dragons, known for two well-received books titled Oriental Adventures, have another edition dedicated to Eastern cultures? And he puts in Eastern in heavy quotes. And the short version, my short answer is yes. Yes, should definitely. It be called, should it be called Oriental Adventures? Probably not. Nah, because that's 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 too that's too general of a title, in my opinion. However, the here's the reason why I argue that there that there should be. Because I am I have been I am sick to death of the assumption that when I'm opening up DD that I have to run my game in the Tolkien melting pot, as I've called it. Ugh. Um I don't know if you remember, but there was a there was an expansion for Morrowind that had a that people criticized as being too weird and not fantasy because it wasn't doing that kind of Tolkien melting pot. And to explain what I mean by the Tolkien melting pot, and I got nothing against I have nothing against Tolkien's work specifically. This isn't me slagging on him. The Tolkien melting pot is taking uh, is taking ideas is taking think things like the works of the works of uh, the works of Tolkien and the like, very Brit, very British stylings when it comes to how the how your particular brand of fantasy works, and very and very much in the vein of both that and say King and say Arthurian myth. So basically, it's sort of it's it's basically Tol Tolkien snobbery, if you will. It's it's European medieval fantasy, basically. It's yeah. the, more more of Brit. It's. Given given the differences between that and say The Witcher, which is much more European, I'd say it's more I'd say it's primarily British fantasy. Yeah, and it's definitely centered in Britain. I can give you that. Mm -hmm. And there's again, there's no, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. But the but the problem is, it's it's not it's I don't have problem with it on paper. What I have a problem with is the assumption that that's what I have to do. I've meant I've mentioned this many times, but I resent the notion of tradition for its own sake. Yeah. And that anyway, he go he goes on to say a brief history of Orientalism. For a time, Orientalism was used was a term used by art historians and literary scholars to group Eastern cultures together. That changed in 1978 with Edward Said's Orientalism which argued that treatment of these cultures conflated peoples, times, and places into a narrative of incident and adventure in an exotic land. Which is true and not true. Because at the, at the same time, there at the same time, when you consider the adventure serials that have been popular for so long, there is a sort of appeal of going to these exotic places where man has where the night where the niceties of of um, of familiar culture aren't there. It's the reason why you. It's the reason why you had so many pulp adventures in the jungle. Your Doc Savages, your, your um, Phantom, you, and and even even the stuff that Robert E. Howard was doing. Or or a better example, um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Like I know everybody. I know Tarzan is his most popular work, but I always have had a soft spot for the Barsoom saga. Well, that that and because you cannot that and because Deja Thoris. Enough said. <laughs> um but he goes it's easy to see why this approach might appeal to role-playing games as it does orientalism is one lens to view a non-european culture within the games within the game's context 
We previously discussed how othering can create a mishmash of cultures, and it can apply to Orientalism as well. Othering. Okay. Okay. <laughs> here we go with our. Here we go with our first red flag. Buzzwords. First, mm. well, first, first off, othering is not othering is not, is not a word. Exactly. Now, now set now. Second off, it's a bit hypocritical for them to complain for them to complain about this sort of this sort of thing when these are the same people that want diversity but also don't want people don't want people to mix i.e social justice warriors hate a mixed race guy like myself or somebody that they can't that or or they try and put me in the or they there was one particular case where somebody tried to say that i was a white passing black man and i resisted the urge to smack them oh i get that shit too i get that shit too except for smang is like Man, you're lucky. I'm not. I'm not kicking your kicking you in the freaking bags. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would. If well, I was in your shoes, I probably would have not had the self control to not punch a motherfucker in the face. But well, that self. But look at this way, man. That self control, considering all the events that's been happening in the past few years, it's withering away. It's eroding away. It's like the next. If some soy motherfucker comes up to me like that, it's like, uh oh, I'm. It's gonna be like I'll be like uh, Debo. It'll be I'll be D. I'll be like Debo. <laughs> well, I had well I had outright well whenever whenever these sort of things have happened in the past, I've out, I've outright said I promised I would not I promised I would not hit anyone, but technically a chicken wing is not hitting. <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. There, there is a hell. There, there is a reason why if if somebody said. Who's who's the scariest man in wrestling? I'd say Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> the man who the man who sca- the man who scares even the even the other people in the locker room. Oh, so basically, he's like, uh, does the question is, can he scare Meg? That is a question I cannot answer. Um. Depends on depends on how drunk either of them is, either of them are and whether or not Mang's in a bar. Oh boy! Because <laughs> Mang and because Mang and bars do not go along. Oh boy! I mean, it, real, it, real quick, I can in regards to this article, I can already pick up on something, and I want to just make this statement before I forget it. Whoever's writing this article doesn't necessarily seem to understand the concept of culture or what makes, you know, what even makes up the concept or idea of cultures. It, there's always something distinctive or unique about different cultures. And since we were on the concept of fantasy just a bit ago, I will say the Tolkienian idea of fantasy is actually not something new. Before Tolkien was ever even born, there was a book that's written that was written in China uh, called "The Romance of the Three Kingdoms." Yeah, it's and, one, yeah, it's one of the oh, pil- it's one of the pillars of wuxia uh, wuxia fiction. Yeah, and it, it was it's been around much longer than Tolkienian fantasy or Game of Thrones or any of that shit. It's fucking, I think, like what, twelve, uh, two thousand or a thousand years old, some shit like that. Yeah, it's and, been and around the- for a minute. Yeah, it's funny, been around for a long time. And the funny you know, thing is, the only uh, exposure we get at is, but these days is the Dynasty Warriors series. That's about well, it. Well, Koei yeah. also handles a Romance of the Three Kingdoms game series, but that doesn't that isn't as exposed. 
Probably because well, strategy games are considerably niche. And Romance of the Three Kingdoms is attributed to the 14th century. However, and this is where things are going to get interesting because it, it, it has been announced that we are getting a Total War Three Kingdoms. That oh. is going to be interesting. That, okay, that's something I would look into because I've been having a whole lot of fun with Warhammer Total War. Yeah, really. Warhammer, Warhammer, and Warhammer Two Total War were pre were pretty decent games, but they were very back to basics. Um, Britannia, I wanted to like more than I ended up doing. It's it honestly it honestly feels like a yes, feels like a slimmed down version of Attila with way too big of a map. Um, and it's I not it's not a very good look for the total. The, the they pitched the Total War Sagas idea by comparing it to. Fall of the Samurai, which is a phenomenal expansion to um, sh to Shogun 2. It almost turns it into a completely different game. But anyway, he, he goes on to say, the challenge isn't how to portray a culture with nuance, and, of and often one large region, region isn't enough to do the topic justice. Except, except, you're, except, um, that that sort of thing can that sort of thing can only really apply if you're, if, when you're dealing with a setting that's going to have multiple different cultures, there is an issue of how much attention can we give to one over over another. What he's at what he's asking as far as his sort of nuance is essentially give every single culture their own their own setting book. That is going to result in a ridiculous amount of bloat. Yeah, that's Un yeah that's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, well it'd be too too convoluted. It would be it's like it's basically like Trying to balkanize the entire fantasy world. Yep. And anyway, he goes. The concept even applies to the idea of the East and the Orient, which turns all of the Asian regions into one monoculture. Wikipedia explains that term in co in context. Quote, which quote: the imperial conquest of non-white countries was intellectually justified with the fetishization of the Eastern world, which was affected by the cultural generalizations that divided the peoples of the world into art into the artificial binary relationship of the Eastern world and the Western world. The dichotomy which identified, designated, and subordinated the peoples of the Orient as the other, as the non-European self. Which is kind of which again is kind of hilarious because that's what it, that's exactly what you're fucking doing. Exactly. Who was, after all, who was it who supposedly this massive progressive who wants to elevate everybody else, who had to, who made that comment of 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 Bomb of bombing them into traditional values. Oh yeah, it was fucking Anita, your little savior. Yeah, you know that touches on something that I was uh, gonna mention earlier in our conversation, but it boils down to uh, this idea of identity politics and the fundamental core of that dogma is in order for it to work, you you have to fundamentally ignore the fact that people are individuals and everybody has their own tastes, preferences, life experiences. You have to paint everybody with broad brush strokes like, well, this guy's black, this guy's Hispanic, paint, uh, that's a man, that's a woman. With meta tags. Yeah, yeah really. exactly. You have to fit someone into a box. So you fundamentally have to ignore the fact that everyone is an individual and has their own unique preferences and differences. I mean, shit. Yeah, this guy's arguing, oh, we got to pay attention to all these different cultures. Like, 
how many people within that culture actually fit into your little fucking box? Because last time I checked, I well, can no, go to a bar. Mind, mind the fact and, that, um, and this was this was something I ranted about when Black Panther came out. How many how many people shouting Wakanda forever know about the Zulu Empire or how or how brutal Shaka Zulu was during his during his reign? How many people? How, argue none like, of them. How many people? We're trying. How many of those sort of people were trying to champion an a tales style RPG that was developed in South Africa, Orion, which is actually very, very good, and I highly recommend it. But no, it's me who's end up who ends up trying to trying to uh, push that sort of sort of stuff, and not not because I want to. Tr the reason why I push so hard for Wuxia style games or games that take place in African mythos is not because is not because I'm trying to enforce some sort of diversity, but simply because. I want I I don't see enough I don't see enough of those worlds and I want to see more of them. It's, yeah, it's like the old line of I love black holes because I don't understand them. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah, and and also that's another thing. That's the whole some people that are that are that tend to be pretty ignorant about South Africa's history. Everyone knows about all just, all the only thing most people know about South Africa is oh apartheid. No, it goes further. Actually, I read into that at when, the, when I heard about this whole Malema thing. It turns out all this shit goes back further. It's like the Boer came came there. It, was, it wasn't. It was no one settled there except for like the locals, and those guys got along famously. And then the Zulu tribes came down there, and it's been a shit show ever since. Well, and that, that's that's the thing I always like to point out about a uh, SJWs versus it just. I'm not even going to say anti-SJWs, but just normal people. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between, you know, they like to say cultural appropriation. Most people appreciate other cultures for what they are because it's something Troy Levitt different. made that exact point and, 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 used the, and used as a point of reference his time in Korea. Yeah, that's, and that's the, uh, it's the idea of, uh, what's the term? The idea of soft bigotry, uh, which is kind of a weird term to use, but I suppose it's appropriate. The and it's low expectations. Yeah. And I mean, I know Fox did a news piece a few years ago on this, and it, it highlights it perfectly. Uh, they went to, I believe it was UCAL Berkeley, and oh. asked a bunch of students, you know, asked a bunch of students, are voter ID laws racist? And the vast majority of them, I know they only probably highlighted the ones that fit the narrative. I'm sure there's plenty of other students that laughed at them, but there's a good amount of people that would argue, yeah, voter ID laws are racist. And then when they give their explanation as to why, it's because, well, you know, people mm. of a certain ethnicity or a certain, you know, economic status don't have access to, you know, ID or they can't afford it, da, da, da. Then they went I mean, to they fucking Harlem. Then they went to Harlem. <laughs> Or it was either Harlem or Brooklyn in New York. It's one of the two. And specifically asked black people, uh, do you have ID? Do you know where the DMV is? And uh, I know there was one individual in particular that sticks out in mind. <laughs> is this, this chick is looking at the dude. She's like, am I being punked? Like, is this a joke? Like, are you serious? Like, do you, do you think I don't know where the DMV is located? Do you think I don't carry around ID? Like, what like in around it's it's so ironic to me that these people are so 
caught up in this identity politics dogma that they end up becoming the very thing they hate because they have yeah. to create they have to create the problem in order to fight against it. Otherwise, yeah. do not fight do not fight with monsters lest ye become one. Yeah, and and the funny exactly. thing is they don't even they don't even have the honesty when they're asked their questions say, "Oh, my professor just told me that." It's because they don't think they they want they want to have a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning. They want to feel important, it, but they don't actually think for themselves. They just they they want to be popular. Yeah, they want to be the quarterback, but they can't throw a football. Yeah, it well that's the, really what it is. Yeah, and anyway, goes on to say game designers who were all who were often admitted fans of Asian cultures. Don't like how that was. Don't like how that was said. Almost, I could almost feel a sneer with how that was said. Yeah. Sought to introduce a new kind of fantasy and introduce traditional Western tropes. Viewed through a modern lens, their approach would likely be different today. Who gives oh a shit? Oh my god! Modern, modern, a modern lens looking at looking at older stuff does not mean dick. Modern I lens. Mean, the question here is: by modern lens, what they mean? They're they're stupid. Uh, they're stupid. It uh fucking cat lady glasses or something no i'm i'm gonna go i'm going i'm not going to i'm not going to grant i'm not going to even grant that i'm going let me let me put things into in a better perspective where i'm coming from back in high school i made a card game called legend wars i made two starter decks from it and that that was about it i revisited the rules that i wrote for that and i just tore a new one with everything that was warded so poorly now yes an artist is their own worst critic but I, t but when I saw that, when I saw what I had written, what I had written in there, and how it and how it played out, it was re it was really bad. And I could make the argument that viewed through a modern lens, I would not do I would not do this because there were certain aspects, and I won't go into the details, but there were certain aspects that were very weeb ish. But it's not like anybody's going to create a masterpiece when when they're, when they're fifteen. Yeah, that or or at least take your time with it. You know what I mean. Try to re rethink all all the things where you did wrong, and try okay. How how can I clean this up? Now, would I would I return to it later on to to see if I to see if I could do it better? Yeah, possibly. Although I do, I I think I should be given some credit because the only thing I had to only thing I had to work with was a copy of Magic Set Editor, which is how I end up playing. Which is how I how, which has given me the most fun and the most utility for all these for all these years. It's an amaz It's still amazing. Um, well, you know, the one thing about this article with that, the statement that that writer just made as a writer, the thing that's making my eye twitch with irritation is the only purpose of that statement is self-serving smugness. It doesn't make a point. It doesn't, it serves no purpose. It doesn't do anything except stroke the author's ego. If you can even I call this person an author. Yeah, I could... You could make you could make a lengthy rant about how racist Song of the South is, and the and the whole and the rebuttal would be, what what's the point? Like, every, yeah, there's there's no point except for the fact that the author wants to fucking stroke his ego. It's a completely pointless and smug statement. It's yeah, self-serving for the sake. Signal his virtue, saying he's basically saying I'm helping. Any anyway, he next he goes on. The original Oriental Adventures, which I which I have, because of course I do. Would you you would be disappointed if I didn't? 
was published in 1985 by co-creator of D&D, Gary Gygax, Z David Zeb Cook, and Francois Marcella Freudeval. It introduced the Ninja, Kensai, Sword Saints, Wujen, and Shugen... And it's... They pronounce it as Shug... It's written as Shugenja, but it's supposed to be Shugenja, you idiot. As well as <laughs> Jinkakes, I'm the Barbarian, and Monk. It was also the first supplement to introduce non-weapon proficiencies, a precursor to D&D's skill system. Um, the book was well-received and was envisioned as Gygax as an opportunity to reinvigorate the line, ambitions that collapsed when he left the company. The book's, hard the book's hardcover text had the following printed on the back. The mysterious and exotic Orient, lands of spices and warlords, has at last opened her gates to the West. Oh, boy, that's going to trigger a lot of the, the cat lady cult. Historically I can, accurate. I can, I can shoot. I can shoot down any trick, any triggering with ju with just with just one sentence. This was made in 1985. This was this was at a time when when first off Japan was kick was kicking everybody's ass economically, but there's also there's also the fact that that for a lot of people this would have been their first introduction. This was when people were ju Japanimation was still a word that was being that was being used with some with some degree of frequency. In in the lexicon, this was still at this was still at a time when a lot of the stuff that we that is that is that we know is common when it comes to Japan was only just starting to be exposed. So yeah, the West wasn't really familiar with Oriental culture in any great degree. So it was again that idea of cultural appre appreciation as opposed to appropriation not to not to mention a lot of a lot of a lot of the appreciation that was coming out around that time was attempts to undo what it what was attempts to undo the uh, the pro the propaganda from world from world war ii it's the yeah, reason why the even even with its even with its issues i will still defend the changes that happened between the original gojira and godzilla king of the monsters and yeah. why I use and why I use that as um this is how and why I use that as an example when the treehouse shit happened because even with all the changes that were done, there was still in there was still a great degree of respect for where it came from and what it was adapting. Yeah. And not not to mention back in nineteen eighty five, you didn't have as many people that are so easily offended over everything. Yeah. Now, apparently, Aaron Trammell, to which you might go, ooh, 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 had provided, a had provided an analysis on how problematic this one line of text is. The sum of his argument, quote, although Gary Gygax envisioned a campaign which brought a multicultural dimension to Dungeons & Dragons, the reality is that lumping together Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Mongolian, Philippine, and Southeast Asian lore he and co he and co-authors David Zeb Cook and Ma and Francois Marcella Freudeval actually developed a campaign setting that reinforced Western culture's already racist understanding of the Orient. Okay, uh, where's my hammer? Uh, where's my hammer? You know, I have a I have a good analogy here. If I ever had the chance to speak with this author, I would ask him this question just to see where his mindset is because I. Well, I already know where his mindset is, but just to see what kind of fucking mental gymnastics he could try to pull. The idea of curry. 
what is curry? Where did it originate from? <laughs> what, where where do you attribute? Uh, what culture is responsible for the creation of curry? Something that the majority of the world enjoys. The short answer is none. Curry is just a simple term for a different combination of spices. Every culture has a different style and type of curry. It's a broad brush. It's a broad stroke term for a combination of fucking spices that you use in traditionally spicy foods. Most of them aren't even fucking spicy. You look at fucking Vindaloo or Rogan Gush from India. One spicy, one not so much. Or uh, you have Japanese style curry. You have Lord knows how many different types coming out of China. Mm -hmm. It's a broad brush term. But this person, if you, I guarantee you, if you walked up to this person and asked them that question, be like, oh, well, that's Indian. Wrong. Um. Not to a few um, about a month ago at my uh, at my work we had pa- we um we had paella for about a week. Oh, I fucking love paella. Paella now for paella is fucking delicious. And this this case we had it had chicken, it had shrimp, it had it had the rice, it had the whole, whole deal. A lot of if I asked this person where does paella come from, they'd probably say that's a, that's a yes that's a Spanish dish. To which I'd say. No, it is not. It's a Valencian dish. It's southern southern European technically. Yeah. But but Valen- but Valencia is tech is technically an autonomous region. It's kind of complicated when it comes to how when it comes to Spain. I'm pretty sure Cucuroyo if he was listening to this would probably tear me a new asshole for screwing something up. But but yeah, but here here's the thing. He, the whole lumping them all together, I have the book. That doesn't happen. Each of those cultures does get their own nation in the region known as Karatur. So, he lied. He didn't even... Of course he did. Either that, or he never read the damn book. I believe so. Well, and that's such a great... That's oh, also a really go good analogy. Because essentially, the idea of paella, that's the, that's the term it's known by. But really, all paella is... Uh, it's the same way that we could describe chili. It's essentially a campfire hodgepodge potluck of whatever the hell it is you can hunt and find while you're, you know, out there in the rough. Yep. It, that's what paella is. It, I believe traditionally it mostly uses rabbit. So basically it's Mediterranean chili, huh? Um, and, yeah, that's the best way also, to put it. it there's really also is. the matter of how you can have a bunch of different variants of, um, pol- of poutine. Up, up in uh, Canada. Yeah. Oh, poutine. Yeah, poutine. Which, it, which, yes, has been, co- which, yes, has been called Canadian salad. <laughs> I've, that's the first I've ever heard of that one. And God damn it, Mike had to bring up the curry reference. It's hot. <laughs> it's spicy. It tastes great. It's curry, man. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, just. I guess getting a little bit more back on point. I guarantee you that this individual or any SJW uh, minded person, they'll sit there and they'll preach about culture, racism, bigotry, et cetera, et cetera, when they don't understand a goddamn thing about it. Like, again, ask this person if they know what curry is or what paella is or what chili is. They don't know. 
It, they, don't, they don't care to know. They just want to virtue signal and preach. They don't have any appreciation for anything. They just want to use buzzwords because, again, they want to be the fucking cool kid. And anyway, he goes, the next edition would shift the setting from Karatur, which was later integrated into the Forgotten Realms, to Rokugan with the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game. And this is where I get pissed. Because oh, keep boy. in mind, I've I've been a fan of L5R since 2000. Okay. Do I do I need to get a beer before you continue? Because if it pisses you off, chances are it's really going to piss me off. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm gonna go into full on rage mode because you know how hard it, you know how hard it is for me to lose my cool. But this um this is get this is close. Anyway. Oof. James Wyatt wrote the revised Oriental Adventures for 3rd Edition D&D, published by Wizards of the Coast in 2001. It was updated to 3.5 in Dragon Magazine number 318. Legend of the Five Rings, a franchise that extends to card games, is not is itself not immune to controversy. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've been in the middle of that controversy because so many people think that it's trying to be a li a literal Japan when it never intended for that. They outright said, "We are not trying to be historical Japan. We are trying to we are trying to be our own thing," and based on the romanticized image of samurai. If you want a more realistic thing, go somewhere else. I'm pretty sure Bushido is still you can is still running games. Bushido, Chanbar, there's other there's other places if you want if you want to go for if you want to go for that route. Anyway, he goes on to say, Quentin Smith got enough comments on his review of Legend of the Legend of the Five Rings card game that he included an, append an appendix that looked critically at chanting phrases like bonsai at conventions and some of the game's art. <laughs> First off, shut your whore mouth. Shouting bonsai at a, at a Kotai tournament is a long-standing tradition, and I will not have you disparage it. It isn't it is in the same is in the same realm that you can always spot a scorpion player because they will always wear some kind of mask, even if it's just cutting holes in a paper plate. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that is that is a tradition because the scorpions always wear masks. Because that's and it's also the reason why they love the story of this of the scorpion and the frog. <laughs> I I'm sure I think Trump has been to one of those conventions. <laughs> but anyway, he quote. Now I have no idea if this is right or wrong, but I do know chat chanting in Japanese at an event exclusively attended by white men and women made me feel a tiny bit weird. Well, that's your that's your fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if you feel like that, and you're and you this guy's probably white himself. Professional help he must seek. There was a I saw t at a uh, at a park downtown. I saw taiko drums being being played because to celebrate the spring. Fuck off. Again, usual... this guy is just this whoever wrote this fucking article is just proving my point. It again that whole idea of the you know soft bigotry. If you're in a culture that is not your own and it makes you feel uncomfortable it, it's not because you, you might want to do a little bit of introspection there. Like it's not a good look. Hey, it just why the fuck? Why? That's like me saying I feel uncomfortable eating Popeye's fried chicken. 
what, what the fuck? I, rem- I remember some. I remember somebody. A- somebody asked, "Would you feel uncomfortable eating eating po- eating Popeyes?" And I'd say, "I would. On- I would only feel. I would only feel uncomfortable if somebody across from me was eating KFC as well, because then I'd feel sorry for them. I'd feel guilty <laughs> oh. that, that I'm eating something good and they're eating something shit. Yeah, you heard me. I said it. KFC is sh- KFC is shit. Yeah, sadly, I agree that's, with sadly, that's the only chicken I have available out out here in Aurora. That's that's what sucks. There's no. I don't, if there's a Popeyes anywhere nearby, shit, I don't know where it is. Probably, probably like twenty miles east. Popeyes, churches, Bojangles, Popeyes. anywhere but KFC. KFC I is love, I love uh, freaking Popeyes. I want, and like I said, I, it's been a while since I I've had churches. I've I've never been able to have churches because they've never been in, they've never been anywhere that I've been. Um, it's. It's the same reason that I'd I'd feel guilty if I if I was if I was eating um, Five Guys and somebody across from me was eating a, was eating a Big Mac. Oh yeah. Oh fucking oh, damn! Yeah. I want Five I Guys. I love Five Guys. I do remember the first the first time I brought a friend over there and and they and they wanted to get they said they were going to get a large order of fries and I said don't do that. Don't do, oh no no no. You don't what's, understand what's, how large they mean when they say a large order of fries. And I, as, yeah. Okay, if you, I said, if you if you really want to do this, then you have to then you have to eat the whole thing, and I'm gonna sit there and watch. <laughs> and I was like, and then he lo- he looks at the bank and goes like, Jesus, how many how many did you how many did you put in here? So I, I told you, did you walk in and see the freaking bags of potatoes that they have sitting out for literal display? <laughs> yeah, a, and, lo- a regular order of fries is basically super size over at McDonald's. Well, I I said you can if you if you chicken out on this, you have to drink the glass. Oh, I have, Doku, I have explained to you. I have explained to you the pain glass. Have I not? Uh, actually, I do that. not think you have. The pain glass is a shot glass that is full of salt, vinegar, water, soy sauce, Tabasco sauce, Tiger sauce, Frank's Red Hot, and sriracha. <laughs> oh, you are a monster. <laughs> You are a monster. <laughs> oh my god, you'll be breathing fire out of that one. That is why it's called the pain glass. If I don't go with that, I go with the bacon soda. Oh. oh boy. You know what? It still doesn't it still doesn't sound as bad as the one mistake I made. Uh there's a dude who was a cook at my local sports bar before they closed down. This guy's name uh his uh, his name's Entiaz. It I believe he was Pakistani but I got chicken wings one time and I said oh I want them spicy empty Oz comes out and he goes oh you want spicy wings yeah I want them spicy he made me spicy wings (laughs) this was not western this was not western spicy spicy. these I I don't do I don't do milk at all I've I have become more lactose intolerant as I've grown older. I got through about two of these fucking wings. Holy fucking shit. No, never again. Never again. <laughs> it it was bad. Like my whole face turned red. It was horrible. It I mean they were they were good though. That's the bad part. They tasted really good, but it was impossible to get through like three of these things. It was it was ridiculous. I don't know what he did, but Jesus Christ, dude. 
MT Oz, if you ever hear this, I love your cooking, but please never again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did that to troll you, man. Oh, he had a big fucking smile on his face, like, oh, you want you want it you want spicy wings? All right. We're not gonna do Western spicy. We're doing straight up Middle Eastern, you know, fucking you know, burn your fucking tongue out of your mouth spicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway. Anyway, uh, um let's see. He go he goes on to say, My usual head check for this is how would I feel if I brought a Japanese English friend to the event? And my answer is even more weird. To which I my to which I rebuke, that is your problem. Not anyone else's. If you're that I... if you're that thin skinned to worry about what other people think of you, then you then you clearly do, you clearly don't deserve to be in this hobby because you're only in it for a paycheck. Yeah, and are, I, I bet you I bet you ten times out of ten that that Japanese English friend would be having a smile on his face because you know how because it, it seems like what we've, we've been seeing from like Chinese and Japanese cultures is about this shit, especially with the whole dress fracas from mm -hmm. from a few weeks ago. There's they're saying hey our culture's getting out there. This is great. Yeah, they fucking like it because people are actually paying attention. Again, it's it's a respect thing. It's not like with all of these individuals, they think they're doing the right thing by trying to be, you know, sensitive or empathetic or whatever the fuck goes through their minds. When in reality, you're being very fucking disrespectful. Yep. It, and he goes further on to say, personally, I found the game's cover art to be a little more questionable. I think it's fantastic to have a fantasy world that draws on Asian conventions instead of Western ones. But in the game that almost depict, exclusively depicts Asian men and women, don't then put white people on the cover. It's such oh, a lovely white piece people. of art. Mo I just wish you looked a little bit less like a cosplayer. Oh, that last sentence. Oh, what that last fuck? sentence is completely hypocritical with these idiots because I bet you this this same idiot would be defending one of them goddamn magic thoughts in a heartbeat, freaking orbit orbiting her because oh Jeremy attacked me again on his freaking YouTube page. And this article's written by the same freaking moron that feels uncomfortable if somebody yells bonsai. What the word? Well, the shit? it's 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 different people. The uh, this particular quote is from Quentin Smith, but you know how you know that you know that these people are are sucking each other's dicks. But yeah, it's safe if, to say that yeah. the mentality the mentality sticks. Yeah. It, Never mind yeah. that one one of the clans is outright justified in having Caucasian looking people, and that's the unicorn clan. Because in story, after the first day of thunder, when Fu Lang fucked everybody's shit up, and that disaster was averted, what was Shin Shinyo's clan? Shinyo's clan, which was originally known as the uh, as the as the Kirin clan before it became the Unicorns, they said, "Well, what other what other threats to to our new empire could could be out there?" So she took her clan and left. And left and wandered all around the world for about four hundred years, and because of that, they and in the process of that, they ended ended up integrating other cultures into their traveling clan. Some from some from some from more some from more um, Mongol esque approaches to the point where the to the, at one point the leader of the clan was known as the Khan. Don't. 
to the mm-hmm. to the to the point where um where where they have where they have they have some Europe they have some Europeans they have they have some Chinese they have some they have some Indians they have people from a bunch of different cultures and then when they came back they were reintegrated but everybody else looks at them with a bit of suspicion mostly because their ways are a bit are very different from the other clans mm. Mm, sounds kind of like the United States yeah really um Perhaps in response to this criticism, Fantasy Flight Games removed the Bonsai chant as a bullet point from its website. Um, I think they bent the knee. They bent I I doubt I doubt it's one of those cases. I think it's I think it's more of nope, nobody would. It's an it. We're doing a new setup, and they outright said that they're doing a bit of a reboot. And I think their mindset was nobody's going to get it. So yeah, they that's think, probably they more think, accurate. Oh, they, they think oh, it's just too silly. Um, the page also, f- it's in the Hall of Honor, which which features previous tournament winners, which provides such some context as to who is shouting the chant, as if that matters. By the time 5th edition of D&D was published, the game's, approach, the game's approach to diverse peoples had changed. In fact, I'd say it got, it got worse. Ugh. Yeah. Hang on. There really is no pleasing these people. Oh my word! Here's the, and, and like it's, again, it goes back to what I've been saying about the whole Aeneas Sarkeesian thing. Gen Con tabletop gaming is turned into a complete fucking dumpster fire. I mean, Wizards is turning into shit. I don't know what's going on with Harebrained. I mean, yeah, they're coming up with some good content, but with the recent BattleTech games, they're going with the whole gender neutral thing. Have you seen a uh, Razor Fist review of BattleTech? Oh no, and I don't want to subjugate myself to any more cancer. Well, don't get me wrong, but the thing is, he thinks the game is pretty good, good, despite the fact that there's the gender-neutral stink to some of the aspects of the game. But, but well, when it came when it came to when it came to some some of that sort of stuff, I don't mean to sound like Needle Drop here, mostly because I'm nowhere near as good as Needle Drop, and I'm not bald enough as him. But there's only one reason that you would that you would in, that you would uh, it, that you would iterate things that blatantly. And it's you think your audience is stupid, yeah. and while that that may fit that may fit in with the cur- with the current fan base of some of Wizards of the Coast, but I've had a, but I've had a strong feeling for several years that I have a higher opinion of the fan base of D anD D or Magic or the like than they do. Yeah, well, but you know, I, this I, is something this is something we talked about on Thursday, but I'll go ahead and say it here again because I do feel like it's worth saying so it can reach as many ears as possible, is when it comes to these SJWs and specifically SJWs in pop culture, which nerd or geek culture, whatever you want to label it as, tends to be the focus of as of late. What they do is, we'll use Anita Sarkeesian as an example. They start a blog or a vlog or a YouTube channel, they get a following, they pander, they get a you know gigantic dog pile mob on Twitter, they get some notoriety, recognition, then they end up at a con. And when that point, when that happens, their you know, reverse bias, you know, their soft bigotry, it starts kind of driving people away because it makes people uncomfortable. You, know, you don't 
you don't play Warhammer or video games or Magic the Gathering or yeah, take your pick. They're just they're just there to get a goddamn paycheck. They're just there for the shekels. They well, and they are the they are the, the they are the political equivalent of Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the fans go there to consume that product because it's enjoyable. It's an escape from reality. They want to go there to have fun. And these people are so overtly hostile. It just it, they they hate everything that is not their clique or their mindset. You know, they hate the wrong thing. And that drives people away. Well, businesses pay attention to two things. They pay attention to what fans say and they pay attention to sales because at the end of the day, it's a business. Money talks, bullshit walks. That's right. Exactly. So when these people actually manage to get into these kind of groups or these fandoms, these circles, they start driving people away. Money starts falling off. It, I'm a prime example. I don't buy Marvel Comics anymore. I was playing Magic the Gathering a year ago. I have not bought anything ever since. And the, so, the, 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 the thing that, um, and this was the reason, this was the whole reason why I set up my channel. There are, this is not, 19, this is not 1978. There are plenty of alternatives. If some, you, now normally somebody might stick with D&D and Magic back in the day because they were the big games in town. That's not the case anymore. I can go, I can go and easily set, if I wanted to, I could easily set up um, other games. In fact, I have done that multiple multiple times. It it was it was through me that several of my friends ended up getting into and getting into L five R or um or other or other games. It was it was thanks. It I don't think I don't think any of them would even would even have uh, tr would even have tried what well, and some of the games that ended up becoming mainstays for our for our group like like Exalted. If I did, if I didn't take the plunge, and this was back when I didn't have rely as reliable as resources, as opposed to nowadays where I have a lot more reliable resources. But anyway, um, Indigo Bach on Geek Girl Con, there's your first red flag, explains how, saying, "Diversity is strength." Hi, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> People kind. Okay. <laughs> oh. God, I, I always I always feel sad for my I always feel sad for up there. Oh, wait, real real quick before I forget, Mildred. Uh, on the point I was making, when these when these individuals actually start getting some recognition and sales start falling off because they're driving people away, that's when things start to hit critical mass. Because when sales start dropping, the first thing companies do is they go start listening to the fan base. And this is definitely a problem that has been exponentially worse with the rise of social media, is you have a bunch of, you know, Tumblrettes screaming on Twitter who don't buy the products, but the companies start listening. Then you get your diversity hires and then they start gatekeeping. Oh, yes. That's, that's, why Wizards, that's why Wizards is falling off huge. Yeah. That's where that's when you know the coffin is, you know, nailed and buried is because now you have people within the industry who work for the companies producing the product that the fans already don't like to begin with. And they keep out all of the creativity. Then the quality starts going down. Then sales continue to go down. 
It's what you're seeing in Marvel Comics. It, yeah, and not only that, um, it also brings about like campaigns like Jawbreakers Lost Souls. Well, the the other thing that, the other thing to take note when it comes to that is that all it takes is somebody saying we're not going to do that, and you get and everybody who would have who would have been buying the stuff that had turned to shit is buy is buying is buying that shit. And look look at what happened recently with the um, with the light with the um, waifu apocalypse on Steam, and all of a sudden, Huni Dev and a bunch of others say. Okay, if, okay. If that's how it's gonna go, we're releasing our stuff exclusively on. I think it was um. I think it was either Manga Gamer or Nataku. And there, you've got there that that storefront that was probably struggling for a while now has a massive coup. Ooh. Um, just... any, anyway. Anyway, Indigo goes. The strongest adventuring party is the most diverse adventuring party. Nope. Not true. Nope. You nope. can have you can have a bunch of different classes, and if the people there who don't know what they're doing, it ain't gonna mean shit. You're still gonna wipe. Yep. Try thinking about it in terms of classes. You have your healers, fighters, and magic users. Same goes for diversity. False Bullshit. Dichotomy. Bullshit. It first you can have one of the I remember one th one challenge that I'd often see with randomizers with the original Final Fantasy back in the day was people you using using class setups that didn't seem optimal and man and seeing how far they could make it work like one person who or white wizards <laughs> yeah you well somebody's been watching 8-bit theater yeah <laughs> now i've seen that challenge done before some people just like okay i'll just we're gonna see if we can beat the game with four white mages then then apparently they'll they'll, they'll just smoke undead but they let's just say uh They'll have to rest a lot often. Yeah. And pl plus, there's plus there's thing there's things like like some like um like somebody going through the entirety of a Resident Evil game with nothing but the knife. That's a good challenge, actually. Those are always fun to watch. Knife only challenge. Mm-hmm. Um. No, I've I've done my fair share of weapon challenges with Devil May Cry and Ninja and Ninja Gaiden, like. Going through the original Devil May Cry using nothing, using nothing but the using nothing but the Force Edge. Um. Oh no, the best one to do: go through the, uh, go through Ninja Gaiden, uh, the one on Xbox, and use nothing but the wooden sword. Use nothing but the Boken. Mm. Yeah, I've I think I've, I think I did that with Black, and then later on with with uh, Sigma. Um, I think one of my favorite runs was using nothing but the Flails because. The flails, oh, the Bagorian flails. I yeah. love those things. That's like my that's my favorite weapon in the entire game. I fucking love it. Um, and when when it came to two, I I like I liked and didn't like the scythe because it was it was fun to use, but it was also OP. No, what was the uh, what was the one where you had the claws and like the bladed boots? Uh, that yeah, that was the Falcon talents. Yeah, those those things were fun. They sucked, but they were fun. Which is strange because I remember Yahtzee saying those were the only weapons you needed, and that's not true. Oh no, they were they were horrible. Uh, all you have to do is run into a. What were the armored guys in that one? I forget the name. Yeah, you run into those guys, and they just plant your fucking face in the ground. Like, nope. Yeah. Um. 
Anyway, she goes on to say, say, different outlooks on life create more mobility and openness for different situations. Jeremy also explained that it was a crucial that the art also reflected diversity, as did art director Kate Irwin. With this, they tried to make sure there was at least there was a 50-50 split of people who identify as male and people who identify as female in the illustrations. Now, the question I want to ask is, how female are they, they drawing them? Are they drawing them as, like, like androgynous, gender-neutral? Everybody is, everybody is excessively covered up, even the barbarians. Oh, my God. Pray, mm. pray to this oh, is, the this horror is, they... This is, not Larry, this is not Larry Elmore. Oh my no god. Fun allowed. No horror, fun allowed. The horror they fun. show an ankle. It's not even it's not even Steve Argyle. And hell, even with the pro fan um fantasy flight games does a better does a better job at get ad get ad getting this sort of thing right. Oh my word. Well, um, that's the thing. Girl girls, you can't you can't look at any any pecs, no abs, no no biceps, no you can't look at any any muscular male forms. Guys, you can't look at any thighs, no cleavage, none of that. No, no fun allowed. No tits, we're going no full ass, fucking, no, not even a pretty face. Why did, yeah, this we're is, going full this fucking Protestant. Why, this, this is the reason why I put such high regard for the art style in Exalted and Anima, because they don't they don't go through this shit, especially Anima. Um, if you want if you want an instance of, of what of what that is of what that is, let me show you the lead artist for Anima. Is a D I'm going to I'm going to give you guys a link to his DA gallery, so you can see exactly what kind of style he does and did for both Anima and most recently with his pro with his uh, project Luminous Echo, which I will admit I kickstarted. Right. Oh, I see what you I see what you're talking about here. She, he, they've, they've got like full freaking Rubenesque here. See, he's some, he's he is able to do quote unquote diversity, but he doesn't he doesn't sell himself out in the process. Yeah, I, I can see why. Look, yeah, the, she's, he, they got like a they got like some chubby characters, but it's more like a Rubenesque style, not like a, oh my god, it looks like a uh, the blob. Looks like trip to like fucking truly pub or fucking job of the hut or some shit. Anyway, I have a feeling the art, uh, the author of this article would not like him. Oh no, no. I first off, first off, um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like Anima especially because you have a game that draws heavily from from uh, console style RPGs. You already know I don't like the term JRPGs, and outright admits that Final Fantasy and Tales were their biggest inspirations, being the even though they're even though the game was originally developed in by a, a Spanish studio, and is the and um, was later translated in English by by Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and yes, for those who are curious, the Anima review is still in the works. It's just that this is this takes a long ass time because I because I bit off more than I could fucking chew. But Tremel then Tremel goes on to goes on to points how these reflections are reflected in the art of the of the core rulebooks. First, there are a few illustrations: East Asian, an East Asian warlock, a female samurai, an Arabian princess, an Arab warrior, and a Moor in battle, to name a few. 
Then there are mechanics. The monk persists as a class replete with a spiritual connection to another world via the key mechanic. Scimitars and blow and blowguns are commonly available as weapons, and elephants are available for purchase as mounts for only two hundred gold. Although all of these mechanics pre are presented with an earnest multiculturalist ethic for appropriation, for pre of appreciation, this ethic often surreptitiously produces a problematic and fictitious exotic oriental figure. At this point, mm -hmm. given the embrace of multiculturalism by the franchise, it seems that the system is designed to embrace the the construction of the Orientalist fictional worlds where the Orient and Occident mix, mingle, and wage war. So once again, even if even by capitulating, it's still not enough. Never mind the Never fact that capitulate to these fuckers. Never mind the fact that even though yes, they have a they have a female samurai in in the art. One here one, it's used it's it's used in the section that, that denotes the background system. And two She's expected to use the exact same setup as a standard fighter, instead of having a more dedicated instead of having a more dedicated class. And I pointed this out when I reviewed Fifth Edition um, a few years ago. I got annoyed when they said that you could just make a samurai class by just reskinning the paladin. Can't do that. And as far as the as far as the idea of the monks doing the doing key. That's been that's been a thing for that's been a thing for so long that that congratulating them here is utterly pointless. And three, everything that the everything that they that they talk about, Fantasy Craft did it better. And and yes, they yes they also had a they had they had a, a samurai type character to illustrate the lancer class. Which is which was a class that was so, that was based highly around mounted combat, and the except the thing is, fantasy craft has enough diversity of mechanics that you could actually pull that off. But anyway, the the main the main writer then then says a good first step to understand the nuances of a region by exploring more than one culture there. Sean S.M. Hill's The Journey 2 series is a great place to start, particularly Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Except here's, here's the thing. Anytime that, anytime that, somebody, that somebody tries to examine one of these cultures, somebody like this idiot accuses them of appropriation. Yeah. So the question is, what do you motherfuckers want? What they, what they, what they want is a flagellant. They they want somebody they want somebody whip, whipping themselves with a monk flail. Honestly, I'm thoroughly convinced this article was written by someone who would think that the fact alien or aliens uh, elephants can't survive on the continent of Antarctica is racist. Oh god. Yeah, I, I would bet money that they would make that argument. They'd find a way. The mental gymnastics are fucking astonishing. It's a it finishes by saying, D&D has come a long way, but it still has some work to do if it plans to reflect the diversity of its modern player base and their cultures, which is why it seems unlikely we'll get another Oriental Adventures title. And says, oh. Mike Tylen Tresca is a freelance game columnist, author, communicator, and participant in the Amazon Services LLC Associates Program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for sites to earn advertising fees by advertising and linking to Amazon.com. You can follow him at Patreon. <sighs> we're not gonna get one be we're not gonna get get another title like that is because they 
they completely fucked up the, the entire D&D. Well, they completely well fucked not, up. The, other, the other reason why I find this massively hypocritical is because these are the same sort of people that lambasted... Um, there, there was a module um, a few months ago called Tomb of Annihilation that had a very African cent fa fantasy sort of vibe. A sort of a sort of mix between 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 uh, myth between mythic Africa and traditional D traditional fantasy tropes, and I thought that was a fascinating concept and would have and would have run it if it wasn't using fifth edition. But apparently, apparently the people at En World and a few other places didn't see it that way. They saw it as appropriation. And I no, I, I asked, do any of you know who Anansi is? Do any of you? No. Do crickets. Any... Of course, I don't. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the funny thing about these author, I remember tweeting at him and asking him, "Okay, if you're going to be this kind of expert, I want you to name me the four pillars of wuxia fiction. If you claim to be an expert, this should be easy pickings. This is the fucking basics." <laughs> crickets. Of course, they couldn't. Mm -hmm. And for anybody, and for anybody who's curious, the four pillars are. And you should some of these names might be familiar to you. Journey to the West, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, um, Water the Water Margin, also known as all also known as uh, All Men Are Brothers. Um, you may you may know it by its Japanese name, Sui Koden, and Heaven Sword and Dragon Saber. And of course, I don't know any of those. Yeah. yeah, I they... have I have read all I have read all I've read all four of them. Hell, I I remember scouring everywhere I could to find copies of the graphic novel series The Storm Riders, as well as the as well as it's a spin-off novel, A Tale of No Name. Well you gotta get well you can't really give them that much credit. I mean the only fucking book they've ever read probably was fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> nah, it was probably fucking Twilight. Yeah, even worse. I, I I I suffered through that I suffered through that book. Yeah, Ugh. Twilight, Harry Potter, shit. and the Hunger Games. Well, Hunger also we Games got uh, what are the other two? Divergent and uh, well, Divergence is just Divergence is just a poor is just a poor man's version of what was a poor man's version of Running Man. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. I'm gonna actually very start using that. Yeah, that's good. Now, here's the funny thing about these individuals. If we're talking about you, know, Orient Adventures, if we don't get a new version, that's racist. Bill bitch. If we <laughs> new get version, a new version, cultural appropriation. If we get a new, yeah, we get a new version. It's cultural appropriation. If we don't get a new version, then it's exclusion. Doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, you're not gonna please these fucks. Yeah, yeah. they just, no, they just want, no they matter just... what you fucking do, everything is problematic. They're, that's the thing. They're cult. They're basically they're like a cultural locust army. Yeah, they're perpetually offended by everything because being offended is the only thing that makes them relevant. If yeah. they're not offended by something, they have nothing to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And, um, now for for me personally, even, like I like I said, do we need an? I will I will bring it back to where I started. Do we need an? Do we need another Oriental Adventures? Yeah, yes, we do. But we don't need the Oriental Adventures name. However, as it, as it turns out, um, Jade Empire two point Just saying. Well, that well, that's why um, 
that's why I'm getting that's why I'm looking into doing some stuff regarding that. But something that I feel is worth noting is let's see if I can find it. Homebrew. Was it in campaign settings? Nope, not that one. Oh yeah, a fan. Some fans made a uh, made a made a, a supplement called Heroes of the Orient for D and D Fifth Edition. And this is why I said on Twitter the fans have a better grasp of D and D Fifth Edition than the designers do. That's not surprising. Um. Let's see. Created by Mark A. Doesn't doesn't say who doesn't say who what doesn't say who it was. Um and talk, talks about the talks about the it brings up the Jade Empire, which is base which is base which in this case I think it's because they couldn't use Emerald Empire. Have have a whole section on classes, introduce reintroduce the Kensai, um, put in a shogun class. Some new stuff for for some of the spellcasting classes and, and the like. So yeah. So yeah. Well, they've... look at how long it takes for someone to come out and scream racism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, with this, with that's the whole thing with Anita, with it, with Anita. Um, you know, as I said before, and this goes back to my second point. This, there's actually some good that's going to come that will come out of this. And buckle up, kids. This is the shilling point of my presentation here. <laughs> so, um, what's going to happen as a result of that is there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of people that's going to go the, the route of jawbreakers and even even go the route of even Van Skyver. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cyberfrog. Yes, sir, and 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 this is why I say this is the shilling point of part of my presentation. I have decided to, inspired by those two projects, to re to to give it another shot with Ronan one more time. You know, I've been I've been working on a few books, and at this point, shit, my bad. At this point. I'm convinced I would rather just self-publish than try to go through the normal. It would, normal it, would be fun, it would be funny as hell, it would be funny as hell if if it turn if it turns out that Spl- that that Splato ends up be- ends up becoming the new image where 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 he has a bunch of people just with their own studio. Yeah, because that, know, that, honestly, I would yeah. I would take at least one of the. Shit, I think it's 14 stories and novellas at this point. I would take at least one of them and take it to him and be like, hey, uh, here's 10K. Get me an artist. Let's do a graphic novel. It'll be... <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Now, again, so so back on a point here, and because of that, we're, you're going to see more independents, people going independent, and as far as I'm concerned, as far as, as far as Ronan's concerned... I'm definitely gonna def. I'm definitely going to that Indiegogo route, but it's gonna take months to plan because I have to get I have to get the tiers down and the cost. I'm actually looking at book publishing, printing costs right now. I can I can safely say that when when it comes to when it comes to that sort of thing, first first off, this is I can I could make 
I could make my own non-cucked version of D&D 5th edition, and wizards wouldn't be able to do shit to me. <laughs> what, they don't have the copyrights or something? No, because because of how the open gaming license is set up. As long oh. as I as long as I put the terms of that in the in the back of the book, I'm fine. They can't do they can't do shit to you legally. They they can't I because that because that is that is the Pandora's box they opened back in 2000 when they started up the open gaming license Oops. and it's um and it's side project the game systems license. So if I if I go that route, I'm per, I'm perfectly fine. I am perfectly fine. Plus, there are a, there are other companies that have open licenses that I could go to instead that are not that I can that are very much not as cut. One of them is Pinnacle, who's the who's the group that handles Savage Worlds. Um, hmm. well now whether or not I'd go with somebody like Paizo. Mm, Probably, probably not. I have a um, love-hate relationship with Paizo, even before, even bef even before they start, even before they started swallowing the Kool Aid. Oh God! But more like swallow the poison. Yeah, but given the fact that we have now gone about about three and a about three and a half hours li live, I think. I think that'd be a good. I think that's a good spot to to wrap it up for this week. So, for for those few who were who are watching, thank you for thank you for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. I hope to do, I hope to continue to make this a week a weekly series as as best as I can, and hopefully br hopefully bring in more people that can that can stay because I I want that I want to have total absolute chaos, even even just. It just as much if not more chaos than we than what happens on Thursday. Oh, so I'll get Ralph well, in here. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, well, get well. Um, if it wasn't on if it wasn't on Sundays, I probably would be able to get Ralph in here. But Sundays is the is the wife time, so that ain't so oh, that ain't true. happening. Yeah, yeah, or or better, yeah, get Jeremy in here. He'll, he'll get the quartering in here. He'll probably yep. He'll probably go on and on about some some shit. Oh, oh Jer God! If we could get I don't quartering even think in, Jeremy here. knows who I am. And if he and if he did know who I am, I would be fucking shocked. Oh my! If God. we could get I'm... quartering in, that would be a fucking oh, that would be fun. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> let's get that's... quartering and Mister Medicare in here. Um, <laughs> Medicare's a bit of a tall order, but quartering, I'm sure he'll <laughs> want to jump in. Yeah, quartering. Hey, he quartering. might. Never know. Jeremy yeah. seems to be a fairly chill dude, whether you love him or hate him. I know. But um, he's fairly I know. open. But um, here, here's the here's the thing. I know there's been a lot of politics thing, but the goal. But I need to I need to establish something. The goal of Monastery Live go, going forward is oh is a weekly show where you kick off your shoes, crack 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 one open, and have some fun. If you if you want if you want the political arguments or the shit flinging, you go you go go to what go to the go to the thinkery or go to go to Sargon or freaking uh freaking Ralph. <laughs> Can't yeah. go to the Ralph report. And if you if you want the if you want the shit if you if you want three or four hours of nothing but shit flinging, then go then go to the Kumite. Yeah. No no disrespect to those guys. Uh, Tonka, failure. I love you guys. I love your work, but that but that ain't my bag. Yeah. Um and, bes and besides, we um we need we need to make this into a proper ethno snake. 
Ethno a genre state. <laughs> but and yes, tabletop is gonna is gonna be a major focus because that's what I do. But yeah, and, and, it, and it's a and it's a good it's a good thing it's a focus because as I said before, and I know I'm gonna sound like a broken record, the fucking industry is a shit show right now. Which is which is why it's all the more important to highlight the people who aren't shit. Yeah, that's true. And um, it's only gonna get worse from here if Comicsgate is any model to go by. Yeah, and and also also I want to tell you tell you about the project again. I sorry to show this again, but you've been I, I had I invited you Two years ago, I invited you on my channel for an interview solely to shell the thing. Don't worry. <laughs> I know, because I know everyone's saying, hey, don't shell your shit. Don't shell your shit. I was like, no, you know no. what? I'm going to shell my shit, because like I said, I think this is going to, I think Ronan is going to kick so much fucking ass if once, once it get the fucking wheels going. I, I am working on getting a uh, a new artist uh, involved, and, and it might be... And this artist might be someone you're familiar with, but I'm not going to announce it until everything on that end is concrete because I still want to. I still got. I still haven't paid paid the first half of the commission just yet. So, I'll, and and besides, I want to get. I want to get it like a face to face meeting meeting with this artist before I even announce a goddamn thing. You know, I want to. I want to make sure both parties are ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I can dig that. Yeah. But, but like I said, it is. I am trying to get something going with with that one, and and try to get a good alternative. But let's just say, if for those of you who haven't heard of Ronan, think think a new version of cy cyberpunk with a lot of inspiration from '80s nostalgia. But and and, and not just and not just look at the '80s in a nostalgic lens. You're getting the full experience. You're talking about the high crime rates of of that time. The but like. The out of control fashions and, the, and the, even even the even the cars will take sort of a retro futuristic uh, look. So it also will have like political intrigue, criminal intrigue, with a lot with a lot of um. It's basically it's this. It's a clash between the eighties versus modern culture. If you th if you want if you want to think about that in that term. It's not Sounds sounds good. And as as always, hopefully in in seven days we'll we'll be back here with with some with some more sh with some more shit to talk. Um, and I I am I will hopefully be back in the saddle with the with Legend of the Five Rings: The Second City on Wednesday on R on RVT's channel at set at seven p at seven p.m. um cent um Central Time. Actually, no, it's not seven. It's eight. My my bad. It's the time. It's the time zone. Things kind of screwing me up. And uh, and of course, on Thursday, myself and hopefully hopefully Doku will be will be at will be at the stream of corruption. I'll be making my grand return after spending so so long not being able to show because of because of the whole moving situation. And uh, and, and on Friday we'll. Whether whether or not we end up doing D and D, that's it. That ends up being a that ends up being a literal dice roll. <laughs> and if 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 not, I'll if not, I'll probably be get I'll probably be um I'll probably be invading Hyper RPGs tw Twitch and talk and talking shit to everybody there who loves Fifth Edition. 
Oh my god. Including the fact that if if things end up going the way they end up going, I might end up getting I might end up ha- having the distinct honor of saying I cussed out a Power Ranger. Because <laughs> Peter Sidarso is a fan of fifth edition. I'm not, and I've I've exchanged a few words. Plus, there's the fact that I made fun I made fun of the fact that he has bad luck with dice. He is effectively Mike. <laughs> and yeah, there's always one. There's always that one. Yeah, there's there's always that one. Um on the on the Friday streams, it en- it ends up being ramen, who is an absolute joy to hear her go <laughs> off the handle. <laughs> I love that. I love that that ends up happening, and I have no idea what the other end of that conversation is. Oh my god! I, I, I don't know if I want to know. Yeah, and but and by the way, it's a good thing you brought back brought back the podcast because we are two months t minus two months from the greatest dumpster fire in the industry, Gen Con. Oh boy! Wait, when, that's... when you said when you said the greatest when you said the greatest when you said we are T minus two months from the greatest dumpster fire, I said, "Wait, we've already been past WrestleMania." No, that's another that's another dumpster fire. Because oh, there's of so the, many at this point. How do you track? Because of the whole freaking Anita thing, it's become a a bigger dumpster fire than Roman versus Roman Reigns main eventing WrestleMania for like the fourth fucking time. Well, the thing is, with announcing announcing Anita Sarkeesian as a guest, Gen Con has managed guest, to find you. Yeah, an honored, yeah, an honored guest, an honored guest, Anita Sarkeesian. It means rolling out the red carpet, probably, probably getting some someone to like, like fan her while she's doing her freaking uh, panel. No, although, I, although um, it's funny you mentioned T minus because on Saturday there is one bit of good shit coming. Even oh if I'm gonna have to stay up ridiculously late to get it. What's because this? Live from Osaka Joe Hall, Dominion. Mm. Oh. Because we are mm. getting because we are getting Okada Omega 4. I don't know how I feel about uh, that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the I'm the yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only, yeah, I'm getting a kind of mega four crickets. <laughs> I well, really don't know how I feel about that. <clears throat> well, I I watch a lot. In my defense, I watch a lot of Japanese wrestling. Because, oh, I see. Because there, because there, you you can get a lot. If you if you want something that's old school without be without being this without being um without trying to be a nostalgia trip that's how, that's how you get it because they don't they don't run week they don't run weekly tv it's all it's all pay-per-views and because of how they do it in japan there is um storylines are kept very are kept very simple there's none there's no excessively long promos it is all about the work yeah so they keep it they have yeah, I've seen it with the the whole Jericho. Um, I've seen a bit of it with like the 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 great Jericho versus uh, Kenny Omega a feud. It mm-hmm. they yeah they, you didn't get a lot of, like a week week in and week out shows, but they always stuck to like some like couple off shows and like press conferences. That's the way that's that minimalist approach is is way it should be. And plus, they they can go hog wild with the fucking promos because if you've seen how 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 he 
Jericho came in and whooped the crap out of Kenny Omega and basically say, your career ends at the Tokyo Dome. Mm. And I've, that's the most intensity I've seen in Jericho even since his uh, early WWE days. Yep. But but I'm get but we're getting off on we're getting that is some that is something to be talked to be talked about in in the future, yeah. um, because I as soon as during that infamous um re, during that infamous Royal Rumble I pretty much quit the WWE Network bought NJPW World the, the same night and have never looked back since. But which infamous Royal Rumble? Um, the first the first time the first time Reigns won won it. Oh God! Oh yeah, the one with when the Rocky said, "Come on, like this guy, please." Pointing this guy and shit, raising his yep. fucking hand. That's but, th- but those are topics for for another day. Yeah. And yeah, and yes, that I came I came into this with very little structure because fuck it, we'll we'll do it live. But that is stuff that is stuff to be coming. The anime review is coming, and f- and I will still continue to do the Pathfinding series up until August when. The playtest version comes out. All right. Um. I do. I do have a whole. I. The L five R thing on Wednesdays is running into a bit of trouble, but hopefully I'll be able to resolve it by Wednesday. But until until then, on behalf of Flatmeister, who is who is not here, on behalf of Aaron Alexander, aka the Nameless One, and on behalf of the Living Snack of com- of comic books, Doku HL, I am Mildra, your gaming monk. Stay. Fucking frosty.